I had my first CD player back as, you know, a youngling. Like your portable CD yeah, player? Yeah, portable CD player. Mm, what was the skip protection on that, baby? Uh, 15 meg. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Uh, which was not enough <laughs> to put it in my pocket while I was mowing the lawn. <laughs> on a ride-on mower? No. Oh, okay. On a push mower. Okay. Well, like a walk-behind mower, not like I, not like the... It had a motor in it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not like an old-school push mower. This was the 90s, not the 50s. Uh, yeah, well, it was late... Yeah, early 2000s, probably? Early 2000s, okay. Yeah, because I was, I was about 13, maybe, when I started mowing the lawn regularly. All right. Um, yeah, I had uh, Songs in the Key of Springfield, uh, and that disc got scratched to heck <laughs> <laughs> because I was trying to, like, I had it in a pocket because I've always had pants with big pockets. You're talking about cargo pockets? Uh, no, like... Jinko like, jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how close I came to buying some Jinkos when they started making them again? I had a pair of, like... Kmart brand yeah. like Jenko jeans probably. So I I never owned Jenkos. Okay, uh, Be proud of that. <laughs> for a number of reasons. But uh, one of them was when I was in middle school when Jenkos became popular uh, was this like right around the time my I went to middle school. Like you know, a little bit in elementary school right before middle school is when they really started becoming a thing. And my school had a school uniform in middle school. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it was, oh, that was a whole big to-do. I didn't care. It was a public school? Yes. Interesting. Uh, and it was not like a crazy, like, blue, red, or white polo shirts, <laughs> khakis, belt. Yeah. I'm sure the girls had more restrictions because the patriarchy. But um, <laughs> Thanks, that's, patriarchy. that's the requirement that there was. And... Uh, there was a young man who my mo- who, who my mother will never forget his name. Uh, I'm saying that so she'll know who it is because uh, that's, that's a very specific reference. You don't need to call him out on the podcast. No. Uh, although my mother, my mother was a substitute teacher and said to this young man uh, when I was in elementary school, I could be on my deathbed with Alzheimer's and have forgotten my own children's name and I will remember your name. Because he was such a good student, such an eccentric student. Uh, he was not a good student. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, which is going to be further exemplified by the rest of this story, which is that he was, so the year I went into sixth grade, started middle school, was the first year that this school, grade five middle school, had a school uniform. They had not had one before then. Oh, interesting. Uh, and there was a whole big to-do in sort of the decision leading up to it and I was somewhat involved in that being as I was a student who was going to start wearing a school uniform. And so there were countless PTA meetings at the various elementary schools that were feeding into this school. I can't imagine the like nonsense PTA like oh, yeah. school drama. It's all what that you would, would expect. It's, oh, uh, that sounds you know, insufferable. Because uh, there, were, there were parents like my own who were like, yeah, fine, put them in the same clothes. Like that's right. Uh, and then there were other parents who were freaking out. And there and there are some valid criticisms against school uniforms. Sure. Uh, in terms of uh, the cost to low-income families, like that's a thing. Mm. Like that's something to be wary of and you have yeah. to be smart about and have to, how, to, how do you deal with that? Um, the patriarchy. The patriarchy. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there are valid things that, that can be brought up in, in criticism of school uniforms. Yeah. But this was not one of those. <laughs> this, was, this was, you're going to squelch our children's personality. 
Uh, my favorite argument against it, because I went to a PTA meeting like in fifth grade uh, to speak in favor of school uniforms. Like wow. I was, I don't know if I was like Dweeb. going there to do that, but <laughs> I was, I was there and I was asked to talk about it. I was like, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to school and and doing school stuff. It doesn't matter what clothes I'm wearing. Someone's mom asked, well, like, aren't you just going to, like, compare shoes? I was like, no. (laughs) I don't don't care about shoes either. (laughs) Weird. I remember that very specifically. Uh, But this young man, who my mother will always remember his name, uh, was the first student at this school to challenge the school uniform. Nice. Um, and not challenged by, like, just not wearing it, but, like, formally file process paperwork. And, like, I was instrumental in there being a process for uh, his parents to opt him out of wearing a school uniform. Wow. Uh, and he did not. And and for a time, he was the only person in the school who did not wear uh, the school's uniform. That kind of makes him kind of cool. Uh, yeah. I, I'm under the impression they did it, they, like... I don't like this person, so I have, right. I have trouble doing it. Uh, I'll, I'll make him less cool by saying he wore Jenko jeans the entire <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I stand by what he said. Sounds super cool. <laughs> yeah, he, he and his parents fought school uniforms uh, so that he could wear Jenkos. Okay, so he was a dirtbag. <laughs> that does change my opinion of him. Um, I. I Aside from the his personal style decisions, yeah. I I can appreciate a um someone like that I mean, breaking the rules and I, going. The I wrong quit way. school not long after, so what do I know? Yeah, <laughs> like me and my parents decided we weren't going to deal with it at all. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, trying to fix the system, we're just out. You didn't have a uniform at home. No, uh, far too much of my first year or two as a homeschooled child was spent just in my underwear. Yeah. So, do you think you would experience the same thing if you? Like, worked from home? Do you think you would just spend all your time in your underwear? Yes. Yeah. And I can say that because I worked from home a couple times in the past week. Because oh. uh, <laughs> the past couple weeks, I was I, I had a uh, something. Yep. Sick. Got some antibiotics. I'm better now. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Uh, but I, a couple days I worked from home. I didn't have any meetings. I just sent an email saying, I'm going to work from home. I'm going to mm-hmm. do this. I'm not feeling great. And they're like, cool. Because my job is surprisingly cool like that. Yeah. Uh, and no, I didn't. I didn't put on pants for most of the day. I mean, I was also sick, which is a valid excuse. But yeah, I, yeah, I get dressed when it's time to leave the apartment. If if I'm sick, I might not. Yeah, uh, I might not put on pants. But I'm the opposite. I feel like this is a something very, a very strong characteristic of our generation. It's the like if you're just doing nothing at home, like. Mm-hmm. And you're wearing jeans, like that's weird. That is weird. Like you gotta like put on sweatpants or not wear pants. Like there there are times when I come home from work at like five thirty uh-huh. that I just take my pants off. And I totally like I understand that, but for some reason I don't like that. Really? Like every day. Yeah. Even if I don't have like if I'm not going to work, <laughs> if it's my day off, unless I'm like I said, like unless I'm sick and yeah. like just choosing to lay on the couch all day. Yeah. Like I wake up. And I never sleep in. Like, I wake up at 8 o'clock <laughs> the latest ever. I immediately take a shower and I put on clothing. Wow. And it's interesting because we were talking about uniforms. Mm-hmm. Like, I essentially wear a uniform mm-hmm. in my day-to-day life. 
Yeah. I mean, like, for work, I wear a shirt. An actual uniform. An actual but... uniform. Just the t-shirt. Yeah. But, like, I only ever wear the same pair of jeans. Mm-hmm. Like, I might rarely wear a pair of shorts or a different pair of pants if yeah. there's some specific need to. Yeah. But I just always have the same jeans on. I have, like, two pairs of sneakers. All my socks are the same. Mm-hmm. Like, all of my shirts are almost the same. Yeah. So I, I never have to think. I'm never, like, constructing an outfit. It's just put on my jeans, put on a t-shirt, or, like, even when I'm at home, sometimes I'll just wear, like, I'll wear, like, a button-down shirt, and that's yeah. just what I wear around the house yeah. during the day. I, I I agree with that. Like, I'm, I'm very much in the same mold of I don't think about what I'm wearing, and I've made choices that minimize how much thought I have to put into what I'm wearing every single day. Uh-huh. Uh, I wear a lot of polo shirts in my current position. Uh-huh. Not required at all, but that's what I like to wear. Like you can wear t-shirts. Yes. Like you're not gonna. I wore a t-shirt a couple weeks ago, and someone was like, "Kevin, I've never seen you not so dressed up." <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, "I'm never dressed up. I'm wearing a polo shirt." Polos are not dressed up. <laughs> polos are barely more. Occasionally, formal than a t-shirt. Well, I, have, I have polos and I have uh, some some plaid button ups mm-hmm. that are that are super rumply. Like mm-hmm. I I feel bad sometimes when I put them on because like the collar's all rolled and. That's part of the charm. Yeah, it's it's what I look like. I wear. I have a lot of a lot of my shirts with buttons are like Oxford yeah. button-down shirts, so they're always a little a little crisper, little no, yeah. like a little uh, little hardy. Okay, you know, yeah, like a little rump, yeah, like a, yeah, l- a little rumpled and a little wrinkly. Yeah, never yeah. never too crisp and pristine. Yeah. Um, and and the reason I wear polos or these button-up shirts ninety percent of the time. Is because I've got a shirt pocket and I can put my phone in it. Ah, nice. Uh, I do like a good shirt pocket. Uh, and that's that's why, like, when I'm buying shirts with collars on them, I'm like, does it have a shirt pocket? Otherwise, I'm less interested. <laughs> uh, and it's also difficult because I am a big and tall person, and so I have to find big and tall clothes that fit. That's true. Uh, and it's difficult. I went to J.C. Penney's a month or so ago. Uh-huh. Uh, I went to their big and tall, like, nook. Which was an area, <laughs> an area about the size of your living room, oh, with big and call clothing. That's sad. And I was able to pull out like I found one brand, and I got three shirts in the same style with different colors. Man, too bad you don't have a body that's convenient for designers to manufacture clothing yeah. for. That would be uh, a hassle. Can you believe it? Yeah, I fall out of the bell curve on a lot of things like that. Yeah, in clothing, I, is, I not as badly as yeah. you do but i also do a little bit because yeah. i'm so skinny yes like that's, I'm, that's equally valid yeah like i'm a i'm six foot one mm-hmm. six foot two uh and i have very long legs and mm-hmm. i'm very skinny uh yeah so if i have something that fits like my arm length like a shirt that fits <laughs> my arm length it is humongous everywhere else yeah. like it's it's difficult to I, yeah to find clothes imagine what it would be like to have just a totally average body like, you can just buy anything. Huh. That'd be kind of cool. Like, shirts would just fit. I don't think shirts just fit anybody. <laughs> you don't think anybody? There might be, like, one dude out there who's average. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be the median? Yes, which is a type of average. A type of average? Well, there's mean, median, mode. Those are all different variations on average. Oh, I thought mean and average were the same thing, and then median and mode were just different things. No, mean is a, is a type of average. Oh, I didn't know that those were all Yeah, well, that's because you went to averages. public school. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have all that homeschool yeah, learning. No, that's, 
Uh, but no, it's those are and and they're used for varying because sometimes it depends on your data set. Right. And so using the median might be way more useful than using, or in some sense, using the mode may be way more useful. The mode, I always forget which one the mode is. The mode is the one where there are the most mm-hmm. instances yes. of a... the mode occurs the most often. Okay. Uh, the median is, is directly in the middle. The average is the... the yeah, the mean, the is, mean the is the average, average of As how we use that term. Yeah. Um, all of them added up and then divided by the number of units. And then, of course, range is the uh, the offset of there, which is still really useful to know. So you can have the mean, median, and mode, but having a, the range as an extra note is very important. As you're what are we dealing with. Yeah. Low and high points? Yeah. Well, the range is, I think, technically, it's the distance between the low and high point. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you say it's a range of 10 or it's a range of 3 million. Yeah, those would be very different. Yeah. But the average for both, you say the mean for both is is 12. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're looking at two very different sets. Yeah. Um, this beer's really good. Right? It's one of my favorites. I've had it a few times recently. Um, it's a Belgian-style... Triple. Triple? Yeah. Triple. Devil's Backbone. It's it's good. Oh, boy. Um, I would drink a lot of this. Yeah. It's easy to do. I don't... I don't... We talk about alcohol regularly on this yeah. show. I don't drink enough alcohol to, like have the opportunity to develop opinions about alcohol mm-hmm. you know, i mean like some people are very into beer or yeah very into whiskeys or, absolutely and i'll just drink alcohol whenever i happen to drink it yeah uh so i don't really know what kind of beers i like but uh i'm gonna remember this one i enjoy belgian style triples well the the um the one we had last time was also a belgian style yeah and that one was really good too yeah. the nun one naked nun naked nun and this one is devil's backbone yeah we should keep it with the uh, Judeo-Christian supernatural. Yeah. Yeah, nuns are pretty thing. supernatural. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the Naked Nun comes from Adelbert's, which does almost exclusively Belgian styles. Uh, whereas Real Ale has a pretty wide range. They do a, a, an IPA because everybody does an IPA nowadays. Because, yeah, you're not a real man unless you drink IPAs. Yeah. I'm making alcohol. Oh, I saw this on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're making cider? Hard cider. How's it going? Uh, it's fermenting. Yeah? Uh, I, there's, so... Uh, yeah, I want to know. How, tell me Tell me uh, what inspired you to do this, mm-hmm. uh, how it works, okay. how it's going, Yeah. like what you're uh, going to we'll do with it. We'll cover all this. Yeah. Uh, Let's so, get the whole deal. Uh, you know subscription boxes, right? I'm like, familiar with the idea. Yeah, the yeah. idea of a subscription box. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's uh, one of the more famous ones is called Quarterly, mm-hmm. where you pay 100 bucks and you get a box of crap every quarter uh, <laughs> instead of once a month. <laughs> wow, you're, you're really selling it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I got mad at them this week because they sent me a box I didn't mean to order. Oh. I was on a so I was on the quarterly plan for the so Will Wheaton was chosen as a curator. Oh, nice. Uh, for, for a year of quarterly. So he, he did four boxes. Okay. Uh, which was kind of cool. Each one was about a different decade of his life. So 70s, 80s, 90s, and or 60s, or 80s, 90s, decade, and now. I don't know. But each one's a decade of his life. <laughs> um, the last one was about, like, now and where he is now. Nice. Uh, and so he, he's like, you know, the two things that I'm really passionate about right now are board games, because he has the tabletop, the board game web series. Mm-hmm. And he just likes playing board games and making beer. Because uh, he does homebrewing. And he's talked about that on his blog a few times. Nice. A lot of times he does his own homebrewing. He actually doesn't anymore because he stopped drinking. But that's 
Oh, really? Story. Yeah. Um, as as part of a life reboot, he decided to stop drinking entirely, which is fair. Yeah. Um, but he did. He talked about it a lot. He did something he did with his sons. Uh, it was sort of a cool bonding thing. Uh, and he did it for a long time. And so in his quarterly box that was about board games and beer, he sent a board game mm-hmm. and a home brewery kit, uh, which is a little bitty kit from uh, Brooklyn Brew Shop, which is a company that wanted to make people with tiny apartments able to make beer, like do their own home brewing. That's super cool. Yeah. And so you can buy this kit that is basically everything you need to make your own beer. Uh, it comes with all the equipment. Uh, and you make a gallon. Uh, it comes with the the grains and the spices and everything you need to do that. Wow. Which is really cool. And so I got that. And I was like, I'm going to make some beer. Now, in the process of doing this, I uh, my thermometer was broken. The one that came with it. Oh. The, the, the alcohol had split. And the, you can try really hard in lots of different ways to try and get it back together. But I didn't. And, it, and like at that point, it's just done. Yeah. You can't use it. Uh, and so I had to order another one. And so meanwhile, I've, I've been drinking beer, but I've also been trying a variety of the uh, Austin-brewed ciders, hard ciders. Yeah. Uh, they're growing in popularity because they're gluten-free, so that's a big thing a lot of people like. Oh, uh, yeah. Beer is, is not. No, beer is not gluten-free. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if beer is gluten-free. I don't know if there's gluten in it or not. Because gluten is an elastic substance, but it's very weedy. It's very weedy, and so it's certainly turn, turn off a lot of people. Very which grainy, is fine. and and there are other beers that are sold as gluten free, and I'm going to take them at their word. Like I'm not going to argue with them because it doesn't affect me one way or the other. Yeah. Side note: My favorite thing is when uh, when things that are obviously gluten free are yeah. labeled as gluten free. Yeah, like bacon. Right. Like get your gluten free bacon or get your gluten free ice cream. Mm-hmm. It's, and they'll, they'll, they'll like sell, there's, yeah, there's no wheat in that. They'll sell more because yeah. people who are gluten-free mm-hmm. will be like, oh, well, gluten-free. The people who have celiac know what has gluten in it and what right. doesn't. The people who choose. Who are gluten-sensitive or choose to avoid gluten because they think it makes them healthier. Sure. Do it's your, your body. Put what you want into do, it. Do your, thing. <laughs> do your thing, people. You are missing out on yeah, bread. I love bread. <laughs> uh, Sorry, continue. So... So I've been trying some ciders, and, and uh, my office also has beer on tap. For, right. You know, yes. and they had some cider, and you know, I've tried Austin East Cider is one of the bigger ones, but there's three or four more other uh-huh. ones. Um, and I like the idea of cider because beer is very easy to make. You need grain, hops, water, time. That's about it. Like yeah. Yeast. Yeah. <laughs> like you can that you can make a beer with just those four things, which is great. Yeah. Uh and cider is even easier because you need apples and yeast. Like that's all you need. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, that's really you know, that's really cool. And then I started actually reading the label on some of these ciders I was drinking, which I expected to be like apples and yeast. Uh-huh. And it was full of other crap. Like crap? No, like- I mean preservatives, colorings, right. artificial flavoring. I'm like, I don't need artificial... My beer doesn't have artificial flavoring. Are, are these in, like, the cool local Austin brews? Austin East Ciders has additional flavorings. Wow. And and part of me feels like this is being done to make cider taste more like apple juice. Oh, yeah. Um, rather than, like, like, cider, which is America's oldest alcoholic beverage... Really? Yeah, I learned that from a can of Austin East Ciders. <laughs> <laughs> um, is 
is super easy to make. Uh, the the hard way to do it is you get a bunch of apples, about a third of a bushel or so. Okay. I don't know how much is that is because I didn't do it this way. I know how much a bushel is because I've gone apple picking many yeah? times. Is it a lot? That's a decent amount of apples. Yeah. yeah. So you need about a third, or, a third of a bushel it's or like so. It's like a big basket. Yeah. Uh, and then you press them and you get apple cider, like the, just the normal apple cider. Right. And you press them and it's, it's, it looks like unfiltered apple juice because that's what it is. It's not filtered, no preservatives. It's just squeezed just apples. pressed apples. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you get about a gallon of that. And you add yeast. Okay. And then you wait. <laughs> uh, and so the, the Brooklyn Brew Shop, I ordered a replacement thermometer from them, as well as a bottle capper and some caps, uh, so I could cap this bit of beverages I make, be it beer or cider. Yeah. Um, and in the meanwhile, I went and bought some organic apple cider, like unfiltered organic. Okay. Non- uh, it is pasteurized, which is fine. Because they, they're like, it's fine to pasteurize your apple cider. Yeah. Um, and the, the brew shop actually recommends that you boil your cider if it's not pasteurized first. Okay. So they, they say, pasteurize it first. I'm like, okay, sure. But so I, I bought a gallon of unpasteurized, or pasteurized, unfiltered apple cider. And the ingredients are apples. Like, that's the ingredient list on the side. It's like... No water? No. Just no addition, apples? Just apples. Okay. Like just, you squeezed apples, and this is what came out of them. Nice. Uh, and you put it into this one-gallon jug I have, and you you initially you have to sanitize everything. There's a sanitizing solution that you can get. It's it's you mix it with water and you soak stuff in it. It's sanitized. Okay. Uh, then you dump in some yeast, uh, brewer's yeast, preferably. You could you could theoretically like little like the sourdough make your own natural yeast. Like there, there wouldn't be anything yeah. stopping you from doing that. But dump it in. You put on a cap. You create what's called a blow-off tube. Uh, uh-huh. which is uh, a tube coming out of the top going into uh, uh, liquid solution, water and sanitizer, uh, so as to create a very rudimentary airlock, meaning CO2 can come out, but it's not going to, nothing else is going to come back in. Right, okay. And with cider, that's basically it. You then just wait. Wow. Uh, that sounds really easy. I, I made the cider, or started the process in about 20 minutes. Uh that's and, super cool. And it's like after two weeks, so it's, it's a week tomorrow is actually uh, my first week. Okay. Uh, a couple days in, you can you can take off the blow-off tube and put on a smaller airlock uh, just so you don't – it's easier. Because uh, most of the fermentation happens at the very beginning. That's when there's lots of sugar for the yeast to eat. And then it just trickles down yeah. after that. Um, so two weeks later, uh, you bottle it. Uh, and I've been – I'm going to use Topo Chico bottles because I think that's just silly. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I'm not going to go buy bottles because that's dumb. Right. I, uh, but I'm, I got some, bought some caps and a capper. Um, so you, after two weeks, you fill up your bottles. Two weeks later, you drink it. Wow. Oh, there's, oh, there's one more step. Uh, you mix in some honey with the uh, cider when you bottle it. Okay. Uh, so as to give the, the yeast a little more sugar, so it'll continue fermenting and uh, carbonizing in the bottle. Okay, nice. And then two weeks later, you drink it. Ah, oh, man, that sounds really cool. It is, and because I like the idea of hard cider, because I think it's it's cool. There's a there's a cool history behind it. I like I like hard ciders. Yeah, I like, like hard ciders as well. I think uh, as a rule, ciders are m- more delicious than beers. Mm-hmm. Like your average cider tastes better than your average beer. Yeah. Like, it's got all these things me. in it. <laughs> but like, because it's, yeah. it's sweeter and it's just yeah. like a more pleasant thing mm-hmm. to drink. 
I'm not a fan of like the bitter IPA no. and that kind of beer. But yeah. but um, it's a, it's a light crisp beverage, right? And so uh, here in you know three four weeks, I will have basically twelve beers. That's really twelve cool. ciders that I made. So my question is, why is outside contamination bad? Uh, it's a matter of flavor. So it it just protects the yeah. flavor that's going to be created because yeah. like. Like you've made sourdough and mm-hmm. like and bread baking is something we're both like yeah. interested in. Like in that case, the whole point is to get the absolutely the, 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 the yeast and everything from yes. your environment. Yes, to affect the flavor of the the sourdough that absolutely. you're making. Why is it different for beers and ciders and stuff? Um, well, it's not necessarily that you couldn't do that. Like that's how that's how alcohol fermentation got started. Is people leaving? You just leave it out and it starts leave it fermenting. out and it ferments. Like right. that's how you made things. Um, so there's not any reason you couldn't necessarily. Uh, the idea, I think, when you're doing home brewing is you want to make sure that what you make tastes good at the end. Cause if and so there's a lot of control that you want to put into it. Yeah, if it's exposed, it might taste good. Yeah. Or it might taste like garbage. Yeah, and if I make a bad loaf of bread, <clears> I can <throat> make another one in two days with a starter. <laughs> Instead of a month later <laughs> yeah. with your cider. Um, and, so, and, and they've got, I mean, there are, hundreds of homebrew recipes you can get and you can get kits or you mm-hmm. can make your own and they all basically come down to you know boil some grain add some hops mm-hmm. add some flavors and let it ferment but yeah that's the idea behind it all so could you do an open fermentation probably but it's less Would likely I? to be good yeah yeah Just, there's less control yeah that makes sense um that sounds like a lot of fun yeah, I'm very excited. That's really inspiring. I think I would love to try something like that. Yeah? Um, I would love to try to make mead. You can make mead. It's it's a very similar process. Because yeah. mead is fermented honey. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sounds super good. And I've, I've had meads yeah. before. Uh, and I I don't... I, most places don't like... You can't like go to your bar down the street and no, like not often. grab some mead usually i go to the uh, the ren fair if i want some mead yeah. because they always have some because it seems appropriate <laughs> mead is a very ren fair kind of yeah. thing but like i've been to like restaurants and they happen to have mead on their yeah. like drink menu i'll i'll get mead and i love it i just think it's really really good mm-hmm. um but similar to cider where it's just instead of fermenting apples you just ferment honey yeah which would probably be a lot more expensive yeah i don't i don't know um like you can get apples pretty cheap yeah well, and even even then, buying the bottled juice was cheaper than buying an equivalent amount of apples and then pressing them myself. And saves you a whole lot. And of saves work. you a lot of apple pressing. Uh, and it's be and it's probably because the quality of the apples that are going into the cider you buy are much lower than probably yeah the quality and of supermarket apples, you apples. Just buy that yeah. I mean, ideally, um, and now that we're getting into fall, it'd be more likely is you know go to a farmer's market and get some fresh pressed cider from yeah. someone who owns an apple orchard. Um. Are, are there apple orchards around here? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think it's, they exist this far south. I, don't, I have no idea. Because apple orchards... They, they exist in North Texas, because I went to one once. Do they? Yeah. Is apple picking like an activity that you've done before? I feel like my homeschool group did. I wasn't there, but okay. I feel like that was an opportunity that existed. That is a big part of the fall culture ah, in Massachusetts. Gotcha. Um, there are apple orchards everywhere mm-hmm. and apple picking is like the thing you do like uh my engagement photo shoot was 
uh, at an apple orchard. Oh, wow. Um, which is great because you're just like apple orchards are the best. Like going apple picking <laughs> in the fall. Like this is it's, it's funny. Like this time of year is the only time of year when I like get a little nostalgic and like mm-hmm. a little homesick about yeah. missing New England. Because like it's pretty cool that it's 87 degrees right now. But man, like September, October in New England is really nice because it's starting to get a little cool out. Yeah, we don't have fall in Texas. No. It just goes right to... Cold. To cool. <laughs> well, it's not winter, to, but... To mild. Um, <laughs> in Massachusetts, like it's getting a little cool out. You go apple picking, maybe do a hayride. Like all those just like super <laughs> New England-y style things. Like you, you at your age right now might do a hayride. Oh, I would... I would definitely do a hayride. Now, I've done hayrides before, or what I was told was a hayride. Uh-huh. Correct me if I'm wrong. A hayride is you get into a trailer being pulled by a tractor. Oh, no. And it's covered in hay, and there's, no, like, lots of hay. No, 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 What's no, a hayride? No. Okay, a hayride is when you get into a wagon. Okay. A big, open-backed wagon. Full of hay. Full of hay. Okay. Like hay bales to sit yeah. on and, like, and just, just hay. Just some loose hay for, you know, throwing at your friends. And it is pulled by horses. <laughs> this hasn't gotten better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being pulled by horses is way better than being pulled by tractors because you don't have all the stupid noise of a tractor engine. And it's a very... You have the noise of the horse's hooves. Clippity-cloppity. Where, where do you go? You go to a, an apple orchard and you get yourself a hayride. Well, like, where do you go while you're in the wagon? Oh, you just, like, go around some fields. Okay. It's very pleasant. Okay. It really, it truly is. A hayride is, a, it, you're usually holding, a, usually grab yourself a hot chocolate beforehand. So you're, you're holding a warm hot chocolate while you're, you know, in your, in your coat <laughs> in this wagon covered in hay being pulled by horses. And it's huh. a nice autumn evening with the sun setting a little bit early and... Huh. You're eating an apple. Because <laughs> you're at an apple orchard. You're at an apple orchard. Um, this is something that I've done many times. Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, but so there's an apple orchard in Massachusetts, in Rentham, Massachusetts, called The Big Apple. Okay. It is a one of the more popular places. Yeah. Huge apple orchard, and you can go apple picking. And it's tons of fun because like, you grab a basket, and you just walk around is it is it like a uh as many as you can carry situation do you pay per bushel you pay per bushel okay and you just but you can also just like walk around and eat like you can eat apples while you're walking around picking them and they know like no one's gonna eat like 20 apples and like rip them off (laughs) like you're gonna eat one eat a bushel of apples like you're you're gonna eat one or two apples and eh, whatever you know what i mean like they obviously factor that into the cost of stuff I'm going to eat all the apples I can, but, and those I can't eat, I'm shoving down my pants. <laughs> you walk around, you grab some apples, you know, There's and they have all the different kinds of varieties. It's just, you know, fields upon fields upon fields of apple trees. Yeah. Um, and then you get back to the, the shop. You pay for your apples or whatever. But this is the really cool part, especially as a little kid. They have this machine. Mm-hmm. It's the apple sorter. And it's and it's open and you can uh-huh. just like walk around it and stuff and it's you know it's an apple farm so its primary function is to produce apples that they sell to grocery stores yeah, yeah. you know what I mean so that's where the majority of their apples are going yeah um, and this big giant machine like it takes in basket after basket of basket of apples in one end and it goes through and it this machine like sorts them by weight and it's all mechanical mm-hmm. 
and it's like it sorts them out and it polishes them and it gets them all into rows and it's all these like yeah. you know ramps and conveyor belts and funnels and tubes and all this stuff and eventually you get all your apples all packaged nice and into things like ready to crates, be like an apple crate yeah into crates ready to load into a yeah. into a truck um but you sit there you eat your apple cider donuts <laughs> while you're are they made with apple cider in them or are they just called that because they taste like apples no they're made with apple cider okay in them. yeah oh I gotta go back to Massachusetts right now. Yeah, these are these are not experiences are, I've had. Like the closest thing I've had is like I've been on a hayride, as I explained. No, you haven't. Um, <laughs> not pulled by a tractor. I've, That's uh, I've I've been to a corn maze, which was a very fall thing. Yeah, that's uh, a very midwestern thing, yeah. probably where there's more. Well, corn in, um, so I lived in Lubbock for a few years when I was going to school there, uh, which is where in Texas. So you know, like how Texas looks like a glove. Yeah, I guess I do now. <laughs> uh, it's it's out in West Texas. Okay. I'm um, very familiar with the shape of Texas because it's on everything, everything in Texas. <laughs> it is. It's on everything in Texas. Which is, um, which is weird. So picture the panhandle. Yep. Go south. Okay. Um, kind of between where Austin and DFW are on a north-south latitude all right but just way out so like real out in kind of the middle of nowhere oh yeah yeah uh definitely uh it was often it was uh at one point called the hub of texas so it's in a in sort of a hubward sort of place that was more to do with uh the fact a lot of trade routes went through there okay but it is on uh the llano estacado mesa uh so a mesa is a is a rock formation or or land formation that is a big flat table Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, at elevation. I learned this in sixth grade. Yeah, that's something. when you learn these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's on a mesa mm-hmm. uh, called the Llano Estacado, uh, which stands for Llano Estacado. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's Spanish. I should really know these things. Um, but it's on the Llano Mesa. Uh, and it, so it's at elevation. So it's, you know, a little over a thousand feet up. Oh, interesting. Uh, which is, it is different coming from someone who's mostly lived at sea level or near sea level uh, most of my life. Yeah, same. Uh, so you actually do get something closer to seasons there. Just because it does get because cooler? Because it gets colder. Uh, so we got snow every year. Um, oh, wow. Despite not being much farther or being, you know, south, I think, of like DFW. Right. We would get snow every year. Um we would uh, we would have things that felt like seasons more so right. I mean it's still Texas so it's it's not real. It but still gets probably really hot in the summer. Yeah, really hot in the summer and and like 30s and below in the winter. So not like cold. Okay, but freezing. That's a winter. Yeah, yeah. And like Austin, where it gets down to like 30. 50. Yeah, maybe maybe 30s the coldest. Yeah, uh, and so. There, there was a, a corn maze that was always put together near us in Lubbock mm-hmm. that I went to with some friends a few times. And that's that had some of those sort of like fall-like... Yep, for sure. Uh, you know, connections. There's probably lots of scarecrows and pumpkins around. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there, was, there was hot cocoa and hot mm. apple cider. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But it's also weird because we would always go... We'd have to go in the like afternoon or... But you go in the, like almost the evening. And so like half the time we were there, it was dark. 
Like we went through the maze when it was mostly light, but we would have to bring flashlights because it would get dark. That's the right way to do a corn maze. Okay, is to yeah, like it's it's starting to get dark and then it's a little bit scary and yeah. And they would hang out afterwards, drinking cider. There was usually campfires. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd hang around and just at a safe distance from the corn maze. Not safe enough. <laughs> I, t- I told the story of my sister's yes. wedding, right? Yeah. I'm very concerned about fires being a safe distance a away safe from hay bales. enough distance. Because some of the people I would go with, uh, we, it was a big group of us, probably 30 or so people that were all kind of tangentially connected. Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of them I knew kind of because mm-hmm. we would go to the same events. But um, a group of young men from this association decided it would be really cool to play a game that I'm going to call – how long can I hold on to this hot coal that I pulled out of the fire? <laughs> and it was just a little, like, dime-sized coal. And they'd pick it up, and they would, they'd like, hold it, and they'd toss it at each other and, like, <clears throat> see who could hold on to it, I guess. And then there would... But this would, like, migrate away from the campfire <laughs> and towards things like the corn maze. <laughs> uh... It's an interesting game. It's uh, have they heard of hot potato? That's like exactly <laughs> what sure that it is, was right? Probably, yeah. Uh, they probably mentioned that at some point as part of the process. But yeah, it was that's a very uh, teenage boy kind of a yeah. game to play. I should point out nobody in this group was drinking either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a, I have a friend uh, who would always take uh, you know you know. Um, you know the trope of a man who is uh, very confident in his ability to make a fire? Yeah. <clears throat> I've been that. Uh, I have been too, uh, but it's I'm usually, when I was making fires, I was usually with this friend who yeah. fit this trope much better than yeah. I did. Yeah. Uh, and he was always very proud of his ability to, um, I don't know what the right term is. I want to say edit, but that is ver- not the applicable term, but edit his fire you know, like pick up pick up logs and move them around and manipulate manipulate adjust yeah. adjust yeah. his wood in yeah. his fire, um, uh, with his bare hands. Oh, that's dumb. But I he, mean, I, I know you can do it, but uh, it's still dumb. But like he mostly just didn't have nerve endings in his hands <laughs> anymore because they were gone. <laughs> and he would like he would take like a campfire, yeah, and he. What you know? Oh, I need to throw another log on this. He throw another log on it, and then just pick up a burning log with his hand and like move it to a better location. It was was very good at like making and tending yeah. fires, but did most of the work with tending. his tending. That's a good word. Tending yeah. did most of the work with his bare hands. Huh. That kind of reminds me of. Have you watched these videos? Um, I'm not gonna get the name wrong. But there's a series of YouTube videos that I'm just gonna call like primitive guy. Uh I don't know the name of the channel, but it's yeah. the person who starts with zero technology and is working his way through developing, like from like the Stone Age to the Iron Age. Yeah, to the, like, uh, I, yes. This, this um, dude. I don't know that he's trying to do it like from age to age, but it's like kind of proving what you can do with nothing, like starting with nature. Yeah, and then advancing. Yeah. Yes, I'm aware of this person. Yeah. I'll I'll find out what this what this is and yeah. put it in the show notes. Um, but I love watching his videos. Yeah, I've seen a couple ra- like random ones. Um, well, there and there is a progression in a lot of them. Like some of them are standalone, but um, you know, his first big thing was building a mud hut. Mm. Or one of his first books. And and it's like 
it, there's no dialogue. It's just him and, and it, the camera. And it's like re- it's like edited really like not like kind of quickly where it's like it's edited really smoothly, like really well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, you don't like sit and watch and do the whole thing. Yeah, but, it's but you like, get a it's, it's edited in such a sense that you get a very strong sense of like what's happening and the story that's that's doing and what he's doing and all of this sort of stuff. Right. But like where he he starts in an empty field and is like, okay, I'm gonna make a hut, <laughs> and and from the very basics of like building his tools and you know starting mm. with sticks and using a rock to cut down pieces of tree and using those to start building and he he makes the walls out of you know woven branches right and then he digs mud and starts like putting mud on them and then he builds a chimney inside and a fire and like makes fire from nothing yeah it's it's super impressive yeah i, I think the first one that i watched was him making a bow and arrow Mm. Um, and truly, like you just like walks around and finds like just the stuff he needs. Uh, like a, he finds like just the right sapling. Yeah, and he turns it into a bow, and then he goes and he finds just like the right mm-hmm. like branches and stuff for arrows, and he makes a couple arrow like yeah, and it's a functioning bow. Like he yeah. can shoot and kill things with it, and it like it's amazing to watch someone just walk into the woods and be like okay i'm gonna create yeah. a bow and arrow and it's now. very clear it takes tons of time and energy and it's not right. an easy thing and i but he makes it fascinating yeah and i think in that example when you made the bow and arrow like yeah. he had some kind of like primitive axe that he had made previously mm-hmm. yeah right so he is using previous creations to develop yeah and i remember i didn't watch the video for it but i remember reading about the fact that and this is what i was talking about like the progression he's yeah. doing like he reached the iron age like he has the ability to smelt yes. iron now. yeah i saw that one that one was pretty cool after starting from zero yeah like he had and obviously like it's not the same as when humans did it for real because like he has the internet and he can do research yeah and he, and he, like <laughs> he's, he's not discovering the fundamental nature of the world he's learning about how to do it before he goes and actually yeah. does it but he's he is actually doing it yeah I saw that one. It was it was pretty impressive because he made uh, a forge mm-hmm. out of like mud and sticks and stuff. It's amazing. Um, and there was there's like a blow chamber where like he he spins it. There's a fan inside of it. And it pushes air into it and gets really really hot. And yeah. it's it's fascinating to watch. Yeah. Um, and he he found some red mud. And he's like, oh, there's probably rust in here, which means there's probably iron in here, which means I can probably bake this at a high enough temperature and it will become metal yeah uh and it, it is is fascinating to watch um i wish i had those kinds of skills yeah it's also funny because he's just like he's just a dude like he's not like he just walks around in his shorts mm-hmm. he's not yeah he's not he's not like decked out in no like primitive outfits no because or... that would be the worst yeah and he's not he's very much not a think the right term is like a survivalist yeah uh he's not this kind of dude who's into he's not he's not a prepper he's, he's not, not a prepper he's not the apocalypse he's not a prepper yeah yeah uh, he's not well because a real prepper would would use the technology that's around him right <laughs> yeah he's right. just doing it because it's kind of cool right it's his hobby this is um this is a a certain kind of peak of nerddom yes absolutely yeah I mean, it's the same impetus. It's like I want to make my own beer. Yeah, it's a yeah. yeah similar similar things will drive that. Mm-hmm. Like, but he just wants to 
make human civilization from scratch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, but I really wish I had like those kinds of skills. I always took myself for like a very mild kind of like outdoorsman. I'm an Eagle Scout, so I have some somewhere back in my head. You've got plenty of outdoor skills then, right? Can you, Relatively speaking. Can you just like, you know, make a fire when you need to? And I could. Can you... I don't plan on it. <laughs> because, so I mean, I would do those sort of things like, you know, build a fire from scratch. Yeah. But then we would also say like, hey, a lighter. This is better. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm very much in that vein too. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, we were in a, I did a competition once at a, at a scouting event, which was uh, building a fire from scratch and, and boiling a cup of water the fastest. Oh, nice! And who could who could do that? They do water. similar ones like who could burn through a string. Like you put a string three feet up, uh-huh. and the first person to burn through theirs wins. That sounds like fun. Yeah, they're they're neat. They're neat little activities. Uh, and so you're doing stuff like using a bow and uh, a stick and yep. spinning it and getting your tinder and getting enough heat and creating smoke and then blowing on it and making fire. Is that the best way to do it? The bow and stick. I like that way. I think that's the that's a, that's a good one. The, another very common way you see this on the show Survivor a lot uh-huh. is I think it was also used in Castaway. The the rubbing and yeah. like the trough. The trough. Yeah. That's another popular way to do it. You put your um, tinder at the end of the trough and you you know, yeah rub it a lot. Or if you're lucky, you just find some flint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah magnesium's great. <laughs> oh, it sure is. Yeah. Well, because you you could buy. Um, fire starters that were it was a flint and steel on one end the other side was a big chunk of magnesium really and so yeah you could take your knife and scrape off some magnesium and take your flint on the other side and go fleek and yeah that'll light make up. fire um this uh friend who i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. who likes to touch campfires Burn with things. his bare hands yeah he was uh very much a pyromaniac mm-hmm. um we made our own uh, we called it napalm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it actually Gasoline was. and styrofoam? Gasoline and styrofoam. That was always an urban legend. I don't know if it was ever true, if that's actually what's in napalm, but that was that was an urban legend for, for ever. I mean, like, the napalm that was in, like, yeah. bombs that we dropped. Probably not the same. Probably not just, like, a bunch of styrofoam dropped in gasoline. gasoline yeah. I'm sure it was something very specific. Yeah. Uh, but we made a lot of yeah. this, quote-unquote, napalm. <laughs> Have you ever? Have you ever I made? No, like, and it's, it's funny because I've done some stupid things with fire. <laughs> but that was always one I was too afraid to do. Um, you have to be careful because uh, it will corrode through certain vessels that you try to contain it in. <gasps> That's terrible. So, like, we I remember we started with like just a big Tupperware container, and it just melted through it. Like after a while, like the without, gas- without even being on fire, just like, yeah, yeah. No, like you just let it sit there for a couple of days, and it and will just, just co- yeah. the gasoline will just corrode through certain kinds of plastics. Yeah, which is why gasoline is supposed to be held in, in very specific <laughs> kinds containers. of containers. Yeah, you don't just fill up a trash bag full of gasoline. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that would not work at all. Uh, but when you like, you can dissolve a lot of styrofoam in gasoline <laughs> and that's the whole thing it gets it turns into a like a sludge yeah it's that you could then very like thick throw or and it's very sticky that's that's the idea so yeah. like if it touches you it's on you it will not come off of you and it does not go out when like like submerging it in water does not help <laughs> It's terrible. Yeah, it's very terrible. So we did a lot of fun stuff, like uh, like make a bunch of napalm uh, and put, you know, uh, dip some 
like cotton balls mm-hmm. in the napalm and put on the ends of arrows and yeah. like like set that on fire like we we literally would like shot flaming arrows into like our like our woods one time <laughs> <laughs> like wow i don't know what we were thinking <laughs> nothing happened good because it's just like a tiny bit no it yeah. probably just hits the ground and burns out um <laughs> yeah really really stupid stuff like that i mean i did some dumb stuff with fire but that seems to be way dumber than anything i did um one time you know, we just like burned a patch of it on his driveway yeah and it like <laughs> melted i don't know if it was melting or if it was some other kind of chemical reaction because yeah. the gasoline on the asphalt but it like went like it burned down into his driveway and just made like a <laughs> hole in his driveway uh and then the best part is when uh wait i forget her name mrs um oh man i'm sorry i forget her name Butterworth? no uh the best part was when we stole uh a roll of magnesium strip from our sophomore biology teacher Ugh. right out of her desk in the science classroom. Ugh. You were a bad child. I was a bad child. And we cut it up into little bits yeah. with scissors, like a roll of it, like yeah. a large a lot, roll of a lot it. Of amount, a lot we of cut it. it up into little bits with scissors and we mixed it into some napalm Ugh. and we just had a big vessel of it and we just <laughs> lit the whole thing on fire. And it just burns and burns, and when yeah. it touches a little bit of the magnesium, it just boom. Yeah, this huge, the very bright yeah, burst. That, that white hot magnesium. Yeah, um, a lot of fun, a lot of a lot of fun. Wow, I never actually did these things that I heard about. Yeah, like I did. I melted like action figures with fire. Mm-hmm. I did. I did that sort of dumb stuff. Did you ever do the the blowtorch with like a can of hairspray or something like that? Yeah, in high school we did that once. We used uh, axe. Mm-hmm. Um, we did that. <laughs> That's a very high school way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just that a bunch was, of bros that with was... their axe on hand. <laughs> that was when. Um, so there was a. Uh, I was. I did theater at the local private school. Oh, right. Uh, which. I don't know if I said this before, but I went, I went to private school. Yes, you have told me that you. No, I'm, that's not the part I've told. I'm telling you, <laughs> uh, it was in the same building as the middle school that I dropped out of. Okay. That middle school had left and gotten to a new campus, and this private school had bought that building and the land for their school. Interesting. Yeah. So I I went to the same school twice at two different schools. That is weird. Yeah. But while we were in the theater group, we would have Saturday rehearsals. We would have, uh, and, you know, Saturday rehearsals are great, especially if you're one of the three guys who are involved in the production of Steel Magnolias. Uh, Steel Magnolias, of course, is an all-female cast. Oh, okay. Uh, You would know that if you were a fan of uh, Julia Roberts. She was in the movie version. I know who that is. She She was young in that one. She is a female. Yeah. Uh, Dolly Parton also, was in that as well. Also a female. Uh, some other women. Okay. It's an, it's an all female cast. <laughs> <laughs> and so myself and two of my friends uh, were the crew for this show. It also takes place all in the same location in a beauty parlor. So there's very little like set work to do or lighting work to do. Okay. Uh, but we would go to these all day rehearsals and, and just not have anything to goof do. off because we had the entire school to ourselves. So what kind of stuff would you burn? Uh, we didn't burn anything, 
But we did do the. That's when we did the the axe blowtorch lighter yep. thing. Uh, that is very effective against hornets' nests. Let me tell you. <laughs> I feel like I've seen that video on YouTube. <laughs> but you did it for real. <laughs> yeah. No. I. No. That's. What did, a, what did you use? What was your aerosol? WD forty. Oh. Yeah. Nice big can of WD forty yeah. and. Uh, you did it through the straw. A little straw at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And a lighter. And uh, you hold that thing up to a hornet's nest attached to the basketball hoop in your driveway. <laughs> you'll really burn that thing to a yeah, crisp. Yeah, and yeah. not get stung at all? No, because as, the, as they're flying out, you're getting them with oh, the you're flames. Them you're going so you're back still and forth. Them. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, you got to be careful because the, uh, the flame will go back to the can. Not if you're careful. Well, that's the thing is, we well we we would see it when we were doing this with the axe. You gotta, we would we, we do short bursts. Yeah, you got to pulse it. You go because you'd see it. Like, yeah. Stop. This is a dumb idea. Yeah, you always heard that, and I've never known of anyone that actually had that happen to them. I feel like the thing should happen on MythBusters is they should like set up an aerosol, yeah, and just, just hold it down and go. Because presumably it just like blows up. That would like probably take off your hand. Probably. Man, we were dumb. Yeah. Do you know uh, Mythbusters? The the build team on Mythbusters is getting their own show on Netflix. Really? Yeah, uh, which is exciting. I would watch that. Yeah. Um, apparently, there's like a group of the Mythbusters fandom that doesn't like them. The build team? Yeah. I mean, they're not as good as the. Well, yeah. As uh, Jamie, Jamie and Adam. And Adam. Yeah. You know that Adam hates the show. He hates doing it. That's why they stopped. Wait, no, no, no. Wait, Adam. Jamie. 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 Yeah. yeah, Jamie just never wanted to ever be doing a TV show. No. And you can tell, yeah, like he doesn't try. Like he likes the work. He just hates. He doesn't. It. He hates being on a TV show. Yeah, and Adam is a <laughs> show. He's showman. a showman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is why their dynamic works so well. Right. Be like he like like you could see him like enjoying the experiments and like figuring stuff out. Right. And doing cool things. But he's like a genuine entertainer. Yeah. But no, Jamie hated being on TV, which kind of makes me like him. Yeah. Uh, he did uh, Adam. Savage told a joke because he's he's Adam Savage has done some stand up like he he got into trying stand up because he hung out with uh, the guy from the Nerdist for too long. <laughs> uh, Chris Hardwick. Yeah, Chris Hardwick. Yeah, everyone who hangs out with around Chris Hardwick decides to do stand up comedy, and oh. it makes me hate him just a little bit more. That's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it called at midnight if it's on at eleven thirty? Uh, that's a good question. It's, it's because the the nightly show got canceled and they moved it up a slot. Oh, maybe sad. I hate I hate Chris Hardwick. And at eleven thirty isn't as good of a name. Yeah, I you hate Chris Hardwick. I don't like Chris Hardwick. I don't. I guess I don't really know him. He does um, a lot of silly things, right? Who does like silly internet things? Yeah. Well, he 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 got famous on MTV for being the host of Singled Out, uh, and he used to be roommates with Will Wheaton back when they were in their early twenties. Uh and he has since made – he created the Nerdist podcast, was sort of his first big thing, which is now a whole network of stuff. Right. Uh, you know, YouTube channels and lots of things. Mm-hmm. And I, he rubs me the wrong way. And I, I can't quite put my finger on it sometimes. Weird. Um, part of me wants to just, just go like white privilege. Like that's, that's what bugs <laughs> me about him. Well, because he makes – he is a nerd, and I, I don't want to say he's not a nerd, because he, he claims to be. But is he, like, too cool? He's a little bit too cool sometimes, and, and not in, like, 
I don't think he was beaten up as a kid because he liked Star Trek. Because he, he probably was. He doesn't deserve it because he wasn't beaten yeah, up enough. He probably was beaten up enough. And hey, who cares? Right. You know, he's allowed to like things I like. That That's not a bad thing. And I don't dislike him for that. I don't like his personality. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't like the jokes he tells. Um, I I feel like, you know, there's, there's an example... Um, and this is going to be, this is like super inappropriate. This is a joke he tells. And I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to have to say the words, which makes me mad. But he has a whole bit in his, one of his stand-up routines about his Wikipedia page. Because um, apparently at one point, according to stand-up, which is all lies anyway, so who cares, um, that on his Wikipedia page, it was said that he was known for coining the phrase, gayer than come on a mustache. <laughs> which is terrible. It's crass. It's crass. Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, I didn't make that up, but it's hilarious, so I'm going to keep using it. Um, yeah. And like, and that's like, well, like, I got a lot of problems with that, Chris Hardwick. You don't have to use it. You don't have to, use, you don't have to make it into a bit. It's crass. It's, it's a little bit homophobic. Like, it's, it's on the edge. And it's different because he is a straight white dude making it. Like, that's... Right. It's like, uh, because being gay doesn't have to be defined by the sexuality of being gay. Yeah, there's there's a lot know. there, and it's like it's just like it's and and so much of that just turns me off. And the Nerdist podcast is him, and I'm saying this as someone who is making a podcast about me and my friend bullshitting for a couple <laughs> hours. Oh no, is it two straight white dudes bullshitting for <laughs> a couple four. hours? It's four. I think there's four of them. Oh, that's okay. Which is too many, uh, but it's also they're all comedians, and so they're all trying very hard to be funny oh, constantly is it obvious that they're trying it feels obvious to me okay um, and he's and he also does he'll do interviews as well and those are okay like he's he's done some really good interviews and i listen that's what got me into listening to the nerdist podcast but if he doesn't have someone to interview and it's just him and the interviewee it's him and his three other friends yeah making each other laugh as much as they can which is fine but it it's annoying, and I don't like it. Okay. It's also why I don't listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, uh, like a lot of huh. just like straight up comedy podcasts, because a lot of them tend to be, we're going to sit down and try and make each other laugh for an hour, which is fine, right? But is not the kind of comedy I like. You want something written? I want something crafted. Okay. Yeah. I like crafted comedy. Are there podcasts that are like written comedy podcasts, or is that just? There, there are stand up. There, there are. Um, it's, you don't see as many as like someone going on and just saying a bunch of jokes in a row, right? Um, but there are uh, like sitcom podcasts. There's a lot of audio drama podcasts that are humorous in nature. Interesting. Uh, there's one. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, but it's the improvised Star Trek comedy podcast, and it is okay. improvised. Um, but they improvise Star Trek episodes, which is fun and interesting. Nice. That does yeah. sound fun. It is. You have a very rich universe to yeah. work with. Yeah. And there's consistent characters that show up repeatedly and things like that. And, and it's fun. It's interesting. Um, and I suspect there are others. There's so many podcasts out there. Uh, but There's at least 100 podcasts. Yeah, at least 100. <laughs> uh, and so there, there are more, like, crafted, humorous podcasts. Uh, but, like, I know you're, you're a fan of uh, Transom and... Uh, no nope. transom. Uh, maximum fun. Max fun. Yeah. Transom is a different thing entirely. I don't know why I connected those. 
Uh, yeah, different thing. Yeah, but Max Fun is a lot of the, like Jordan Jesse go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's what I was thinking about because Jordan Jesse go is Jordan and Jesse who are very longtime friends who've mm-hmm. been doing this podcast for maybe decades, ten, maybe yeah. maybe ten years at yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, and I've been listening to it since six months in yeah right i've been listening to it for a long time almost its entire yeah. very long run i don't so i don't know if it's if it would be funny or enjoyable if you just started listening to it right now i don't know either yeah um because the way i enjoy it is yeah. it's you're spending some time with some people you know and this this is one of the yeah. like weird tricks of podcasts it's yeah. like like i'm gonna go spend 90 minutes like hanging out with my buds and listening yeah. listening to them be funny yeah but they're not my buds. No. Like, they're not... But I don't, you feel like they are. I don't know them. Yeah. But I feel like I know them. Yeah. But they don't know that I exist. Yeah. And I... Like, the the Hangout-style podcast is not something I'm inherently against, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but But the... With Nerdist in particular, it feels like there's a pressure to be funny. Like, a constant... Yeah. They have to be building. Um, as opposed to something like... Um, the works of Comedy Bang Bang, uh, which I don't listen to regularly, but That's I dip into Scott Ackerman. Scott Ackerman's, yeah. yeah. Um, I watched the TV show, and it was kind of it was it was funny in a super deadpan way that I can really like sometimes and okay. really get my teeth into. Um, and they, for example, they have a, a regular occurring bit called "Would You Rather," uh, which where he comes up with two things, and you have to pick what you do, and you can ask. There's you know an undetermined amount of time where you can ask questions and clarifying, uh-huh. but eventually he's going to decide you have to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're it's not about like punchline 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 it's like it's funny because of the scenario and the situation and the conversation right uh, there was one I listened to with uh, two people that I don't remember who the, who the interviewees were but the would you rather is would you rather uh, take a one week vacation every year to an island where everyone is trying to kill you <laughs> uh, no or the other one <laughs> Or, for the rest of your life, have to permanently wear skis. <laughs> and, like, that's an inherently funny scenario that you have to decide, like, pick one of those two things. And you can ask questions and clarify and things like that. And it's funny because of sort of the absurdity of the situation, but you're not looking... But it's taken, like, seriously and sort of, like, in an actual... Right. Not deadpan, but, you know deliberate sort of sense right where it's not like okay how can i top that how can i yes and that and make it my joke and be funnier because of it you're just working within it yeah yeah um and and a lot of uh that works like that because it's a lot of improv improvised it's so weird because it's improvisation rather than like comedy Mm -hmm. Uh, because a lot of characters who come on with improvised characters uh paul f tompkins being a classic example He's so on he, that show constantly. So he comes on not as Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah, as, as a made-up character that they've either decided on ahead of time or, or you know, yeah, outlined, yeah. and they're going to just come up with weird things. Nice. But it's it's collaborative and improvisational uh-huh. rather than competitive. Right. Big uh, difference. Yeah, someone was talking about... Uh, it was an interview with uh, Mike Birbiglia, actually. We were, uh, yeah. Uh, we are talking about not too long ago. Who's got a movie out right now about improv comedians? Okay, um, and he talked about, and he is both an improv comedian and 
stand-up comedian. He does both of those, which is rare. You rarely find someone who's in both of those fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was talking about like how stand-up is very competitive. Like it's a lot of like people who hate each other all the time. Uh, <laughs> but improv is inherently collaborative. You're working to help everybody else that you're on stage with rather than be funnier than the guy who was just on. Because if you are competitive with your with people in your improv group, you will be less funny. Yes. There's no way around yeah. it. Yeah. And and so the the kind of comedy podcast I like can be improvised, but they're not who can be funnier competitions or how can I top the joke you just made or riff on that joke that, to make me be funnier, that, to get the laugh. That makes so much sense. To get the laugh. Right. And so I don't know if Jordan Jesse Joe Go is like that at all. I suspect it's not. It's not. Uh, but the comedy podcasts I like are collaborative. Right. Uh, here's an example of an amazing podcast that stopped uh, years ago, and I miss it so much. It's called Ask Mr. Biggs. Okay. Never heard of it. No. Uh, very few people did, and I don't think why they probably stopped making it. Um, it was scripted. But really? um, the premise of the show was that it was a, a call-in call in show. Just a call-in show on okay. a small you know, local radio station hosted by Mr. Biggs <laughs> uh, and his, his assistant, who I'm going to call Arthur, but that wasn't his name. Okay. Uh, and they were talking. Callers would call in and ask questions, and he would give answers, and none of it really made any sense. Uh, but the premise of it was all of the calls they were using – were actual calls made to other radio call-in shows that the producers had collected and then scripted an episode around. Really? Yeah. So no one was actually calling in to the podcast. Nobody was calling into the podcast. Um, That's so, so clever. And so they would have these calls, and they would edit them, obviously. And there were sometimes you could tell it was a little heavily edited. But, okay. Um, and Mr. Biggs and the other guy were, like, characters – and they had personalities, and there were sort of, not necessarily arcs, but it was a very character-driven humor. It wasn't about, like, making you laugh out loud every moment. Uh-huh. But it was, you know, Mr. Big was, uh, he owned the restaurant downtown, and so he was always, like, plugging his restaurant, which he wasn't really supposed to be doing. <laughs> um, and they would have dollar shots nights, uh, $2.50 per shot, dollar shots, <laughs> two fifty. It's dollar shots night. Come on down. Uh <laughs> Where uh, where the party never stops and the fun is never ending. <laughs> like these sorts of like like funny, subtle things, but it was all completely in character. It wasn't like we're going to like pause for laugh or crack each other up. Right, right. Uh, and there's, you know, a couple dozen episodes at least. And I'll go back to them sometimes and listen to them. It's been probably four or five years since it was being produced regularly. Hmm. And it was just, oh, it was... It's perfect. What's it, what's the name of it again? Uh, Ask Mr. Biggs. Ask Mr. Biggs. Okay. I'm going to have yeah. to give that a you listen. You can email uh, Biggscast at gmail.com. <laughs> Gamail? Gamail.com. <laughs> like, that's the sort of humor that the show and had. That, that would make me laugh every time I heard yeah. it. Um, Two Gs. B-I-G-G-S. Biggscast at gmail.com. <laughs> Gamail. Uh, speaking of... Comedy podcasts yeah. that are defunct, I guess. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with You Look Nice Today? I know it exists. Okay. That's, I, know, I know nothing. I don't know who's on it. I don't know what the premise is. All right. Do yourself a favor. Yeah. 
listen to the first episode of you look nice okay um there's not that many i think they started in like 2007 yeah and they've probably done a hundred or so episodes um it's but the show's like kind of on hiatus okay like they'll every once in a while they'll do like a secret live show oh and and like but not record it yeah or like they'll release a new recorded episode that they did like every like two years now at this point <laughs> but for the first like three years or so they it's were pretty like, regular releasing yeah. pretty regular episodes um but i consider it like the height of what you're talking about this like collaborative funny podcast oh, good. um i still think that it is the best podcast ever made oh wow um I've listened to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. I've been listening to podcasts since like 2006. Yeah. And I still go back to You Look Nice Today. If someone's getting into podcasts for the first time, That's I always say. tell them, huh. start by listening to You Look Nice Today. Wow. Like you will understand why podcasts are valuable by listening to You Look Nice Today. Yeah. Um, it's these three guys and it's completely unscripted. Mm-hmm. But you would guess that it's scripted hmm. based on how like funny and specific yeah they are like the way that they can like build on each other and make jokes on each other Mm -hmm. it's it's just so it feels like one they're working with one brain oh wow cool but the reason why it feels that way is because what they actually do is they sit down for like five hours Mm -hmm. and it is edited into like 45 minutes wow and so it's edited by, um, uh, it's three people. It's uh, Scott Simpson, Merlin Mann, and Adam Lizagor. Okay. And Adam did I the, know who one of those is. Which one? Merlin Mann. Merlin Mann, yeah. Um, Adam does the editing, but you can't hear it. Like, oh, wow. Like, you can't hear the fact that it's edited, but, like, he turns, like, he, he, he like, creates jokes and creates, like, just the perfect timing for things. Just cool. To, to make the show work just just perfectly um but then like the magic is when they do a live show yeah it's just recorded and published live as a live show and it's obviously very different yeah but still super hilarious like they're still all very very funny Hmm. um uh adam lissagor now does a sandwich video Hmm. and he you've probably seen like commercials for tech products that he makes he's probably he's on the commercials for square and coin okay. and airbnb and like all yeah. the like tech startup commercials yeah. um like a genius editor yeah these people are just so so freaking hilarious yeah. like i think about like jokes from this show <laughs> on a weekly basis that's impressive and make myself laugh that's impressive and like i'll go and re-listen to the catalog like yeah every other year yeah, so. there's it's there's rarely a podcast that i go back and listen to more than once this american life being i think the, the one i've listened to episodes like every, like every now and then i'll go and like want to listen to an episode again like you'll seek out a specific one yeah one that i've heard before but like yeah um and that makes sense for yeah. a show like this american yeah. life or yeah. like radio lab or something like that i hate radio lab i stopped listening to radio lab yeah uh, they just all started feeling like the same thing yeah. same thing with this american life i just really yeah I think this American Lives has done some of the best episodes in the past few years. Not everyone is great, but they've done some amazing ones. Yeah. I just stopped being, like, excited for the next That's episode. That's fair. Um, if you go pick one to listen to from recently, mm-hmm. uh, it's a two-part episode called The Problem We All Live With. 
I feel like you told me about this one. Which one is it? Uh, it's the one about uh, how schools have become resegregated in America. I've listened to that. Yeah, it's really good. Like that was a, a powerful yeah, pair of episodes. Yeah, every once in a while they come out yeah. with uh, like a very important thing. And yeah. I'll it, listen to it because it's talked about enough. Yeah. But I don't listen to uh, they it get, They day. get another two-parter recently, like the past month or so, about uh, Syrian refugees. That was really good. Really? Yeah. That sounds good. Uh, and, and like all this American life, very humanizing, very much like telling personal stories as a reflection of larger systems in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really good. Yeah. Um, are, are we a comedy podcast? No. No? I don't think we're that. I don't think no. we're funny. Uh, we're not listed as a comedy podcast on iTunes. We're listed, in, oh. we're listed under uh, journals. Journals? Yeah. What's a journal podcast? I don't know, but it sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, It's like journaling and something, but... Uh, Hmm. Yeah, I, I chose that because I knew we weren't going to be a comedy podcast. Like, we might do funny things or might make ourselves laugh, but I didn't want to be a comedy podcast. Yeah, I think we make ourselves laugh. Yeah. I don't know if the audience will uh, laugh. But I, I looked back on it and was like, well, what this show really is is you and me having a conversation in real time. Right. That feels like a journaling experience. Like, I guess something so. I could listen to in 10 years and go back and be like, oh, that was that time I used to like Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> After our inevitable falling out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess if you think about it, like we sit down and record every couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and if we do this for long enough, and then you look back on it, it'll just yeah. be like a which is is what happened of... unintentionally with uh, my previous podcast, uh, Bad Philosophy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I say previous like it's ended. It hasn't officially, but oh. uh, don't record much anymore. No, uh-huh. uh, our our ratio has dropped immensely, partially because my co-host went on a vision quest around the world. Uh, he's going back to Austin later this month, though. Really? So that's exciting. Is that the end of his vision quest? I think so. Did he describe it as a vision quest? He may have, but only because I did. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's important for how I form my yeah. opinion about this person. Yeah, he didn't call it that. Good. Um, although I don't... We've had some conversations I don't think he wants to do bad philosophy anymore, which is fine. Hard to record a podcast on a vision quest. It is. I can we did. That. We recorded a few while he was out and about. It's pretty cool. Um, like he was at like hostels and right couch surfing and things like that. Uh, but I don't honestly don't know if that show is going to be making new episodes in again. Uh, but it, does it serve as a journal? Absolutely. Of, like, well, because friendship? we did it for eight years. Yeah. Uh, and so like we we would have like topics for each episode where we would sit down. We're going to talk about X today, or we're going to talk about Y, or mm. whatever. Sounds very prepared. Uh, well, we'd pick a topic and do research ahead of time. So more so than... Uh, I mean, like, as opposed to our show, which, which is, is... unprepared. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was... Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The joke is that. That's the joke.jpg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so we're much more prepared than we were, which is kind of why I wanted to do this podcast the way I the way we were doing it right because there's almost no work involved whatsoever yes. uh, which is better and to be fair i get as little work as possible with bad philosophy oh yeah for the entire eight years i do a little bit of editing work. yeah you, you do more than i would sure i would look okay here's a place i can cut yeah all right that's an episode i do enjoy uh when we talk about songs putting in five seconds yeah of songs. that was kind of fun like that's a fun little uh little thing you've done yeah uh i don't know was, about neat... the copyright ramifications but it's five seconds. Hopefully we don't fine. have enough listeners for us to find we don't. out. We don't have enough listeners. For <laughs> I don't think we have any listeners, do we? Uh, we have a non-zero number of listeners. <laughs> That's kind of amazing to yeah. me. Yeah. 
Uh, I hope the pot. I hope these non-zero listeners are enjoying this podcast about our podcast. Yeah, here I'll, I'll pull up our stats. So one of them is me. My yeah. Overcast downloads. My the mother listens. Okay. Uh, my sister might listen. She listened to my other podcast. Are you subscribed to our podcast? No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, I I listen to the uh, the file you send me, and that's it. But you don't. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not subscribed. You could uh, make a large impact to our. Uh, you could get some like really serious percentage growth if you subscribed. I could, <laughs> but I don't want to. <laughs> it's weird. Uh. I don't know why my phone doesn't remember your Wi-Fi password. That is weird. Maybe my new one will. My Wi-Fi password is... So I've, I've had two other podcasts that I've done. Mm-hmm. One that is still technically in existence, although I haven't have an episode that I haven't uploaded the last half of yet, and I feel really bad about. <laughs> but um, Bad Philosophy, I think, peaked around 500 downloads an episode. Like That was pretty typical for us. Which is a not bad number. Like, we had actual fans of that show. And Would they, like, communicate with you yes. guys? Like, I know who some of our fans were. That's pretty cool. It is. It's kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Koban and Supergirl, because those are their <laughs> Twitter handles, um, who are not listening to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, we had an added benefit, though, that uh, my co-host went viral. Right. With the, with your the co-host ASL was the videos. ASL yeah. stuff, yeah. Uh, we had, there was an added benefit there. Because at the end of all his videos, he said, check out badphilosophy.com. And I think that did drive people to us. Mm. Like, I know at least one of our fans who found us through that, which is fine. But, uh, like, I did a small amount of self-promotion on my Fiasco podcast, uh-huh. uh, which was posting things on Reddit, basically. Because mm. there was, like, an RPG recording subreddit called nice. rpg recordings and i put some posts there it's like hey here's the thing i'm doing and there's a podcast subreddit which is 90 percent people sharing their podcasts which is not a great place to get <laughs> a lot of additional traction right but i put some on there as well um and like that showed some like i had in july 100 plus episodes of that podcast and i released one episode uh which is pretty cool yeah like that's that's at least somewhat of a market right um but this is not, and I and I don't, I don't know where I would like with the RPG recording. Like I know that's a thing, and so I was like, I can go and say like, hey, here's a thing. Listen to my podcast. Right. With two guys talking into microphones, I don't know that there's a place to market that, right? Or a way to market that. But the interesting thing is like that's a lot of the podcasts I listen to. Yes, like a lot of people enjoy this type of podcast. But absolutely. there's absolutely no way for us to be differentiated. Yes. Which is why I'm surprised that the guy who made the podcast Startup has had any success whatsoever. What's that? Have you not listened to the podcast called Startup? No. Uh, you might like it. Um, there's a guy who used to work on uh, Planet Money, which is a podcast I really oh, like. Oh, um, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, who started a podcast about starting his podcasting business. But, like... Guess what? Like, he had a built-in audience. He had a built-in audience because he and was already was on able Planet to do Money. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's now Gimlet Media is the company he created, and it's got four or five regular podcasts. And it's now one of the biggest podcast networks. Yeah. yeah, like, and but he started from a much higher position than Jesse and Kevin are starting at. Exactly. Uh, you know, I I tell people I work with, I have a podcast, and they go, "Oh, that's neat." But, like, on the other hand. Mm-hmm. Maximum Fun, for example, mm-hmm. like started with 
like Jesse and Jordan did a college radio show. Yeah. And then Jesse started doing his own radio show that was on like local NPR stations in the area. Which already has a bigger audience than us. Right. So like <laughs> that's how he like got people to know who he was because yeah. he got a job in radio. Yeah. But then him and Jordan started doing Jordan Jesse Go. And because Jordan was like an LA comedy scene person mm-hmm. and Jesse was a radio person, yeah. like they had a very small built in audience. Mm-hmm. But now Maximum Fun is a massive podcast network with hundreds of thousands of listeners. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Um, well, Beautiful Anonymous, that one I talked about that uh, Chris Gethard does mm-hmm. where he talks to a stranger for an hour. Yeah. Has something like 200,000 downloads an episode. That's amazing. Yeah. But it's also on. A podcast network. It's on the same one that um, Scott Ar- Scott Ackerman's network, Earwolf, which is his right. network. Right. Um, it's got an established comedian at the center of it. It was featured on an episode of This American Life. Right. Like, if I get featured on an episode of This American Life, we would be knocking we'd the insta- walls down. We'd instantly yeah. have 10,000 listeners. Yeah. Um, and so the only reason why I would ever want to, like... The only reason I'd ever want to like actually have fans yeah. is because I would like knowing that there's people who enjoy listening to us in the way that I enjoy listening to the podcast that I do. Yeah. Like I the Merlin Mann from You Look Nice Today, which is how mm-hmm. I discovered that person, like he does lots of different podcasts now. Yeah. And I listen to a, most of his shows. And, like, one of them is him and John Roderick from the band The Long Winters mm-hmm. called Roderick on the Line. And it's it's this. It's yeah. him and John. And Merlin mostly plays, like, kind of the straight man mm-hmm. to John because John is a very, like, wild and eccentric person. Okay. And John is, you know, going on and telling, like, interesting stories. Yeah. And Merlin's just kind of there to keep them contained <laughs> but like it's very interesting just to listen to like two people who've been friends for a really long time yeah just talk for 90 minutes about mm-hmm. anything yeah there's no no structure no structure whatsoever yeah. which is very similar to what we are except we're way less interesting way less talented and way less famous than either of them we certainly are yeah <laughs> yeah and and i yeah i you know, do I want to be famous a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to become famous because of something like this. I would like to be a little famous. A little famous. That sounds nice. Yeah. Uh, and I think I wanted it a lot more when we were starting Bad Philosophy. Like, that was a, a thing I wanted. Like, a goal of it was yeah. to become known. Yeah. And and I also think that was very true for my, my co-host. Uh-huh. I think that was something he was always trying to, like, make that into a thing. And that's valid, but I also always sort of knew the impossibility of it and still do. Like, right. I still kind of know the impossibility of it. And so I don't know that I would ever. Like, I want a Cinderella story. I want to luck into it. <laughs> really? Is that's, that, what, that's what I want. Do you feel like that's a thing in your life to, like, desire that kind of success? Is it good to or is it, like, but, rational? Is that, is that characteristic of you in your ventures? No, not really. It, it's weird. I mean, I so I've always wanted to be a creative. It's why I'm a playwright. It's why, you know, I call myself that and I work towards that. And mm-hmm. and I like making things. And I'm, I am fulfilled in the making of them. Uh-huh. Uh, but I also would like the recognition for it, too. 
if that makes sense. Right. So, you know, I feel the same way that you do. It's like, if nobody ever listens to this, I don't really care because I have a great time sitting down and talking to you for four, five, 12 hours at a time. There's enough benefit. There's enough there. And, <clears throat> and I find it fulfilling. Exactly. Right. Uh, and so that's, that's great. Would it be cool if people liked it and listened to it? Absolutely. Right. Imagine how unfulfilling doing the show would feel if we started it with the goal of making a successful podcast. Yeah, it would be terrible. I bet we'd be miserable trying to do this right now. Yeah. And it would make a very different show because mm-hmm. we'd be trying in ways that we're not yeah. now. And Yeah. And I, I, I see these podcasts that kind of come up out of nowhere and do become a thing. Uh, the example that comes to mind immediately is the, uh, the worst idea of all time. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, I've told you about it. It's the two guys oh. who watch Grown Ups 2 every, once a week oh for a year. Oh, yes. And then record a little 30-minute podcast is, afterwards. Is that the is that the McElroys? No. It's two guys from New Zealand. The McElroy brothers. Who They're do, not brothers. Okay. The McElroy brothers who do My Brother, My Brother, and Me, which is another show on the Max Fun Network, yeah. do a similar thing. They watch a movie every Thanksgiving, the same movie every yeah. Thanksgiving, and record themselves hmm. watching it. It's another like incredibly yeah. bad movie. I forget what it is, though. Well, uh, The Worst Idea of All Time is now in their third year. They did uh, Grown Ups 2 was their first year. Mm-hmm. Sex and the City 2 was their second year. Oh, my God. And their third year is some Zac Efron film I've never heard of. And they're, they're in their third year right now. And it does and, sound like the worst idea of all time. Yeah, and it is it is a slow descent into madness. <laughs> uh, but it's it's fascinating to listen to. But they blew up like they they're they had you know hundreds of thousands of downloads. That's so interesting. And like to be fair, they have a great premise, right? Like that's that's something. But I don't know what specifically. But they their technology is slightly better than ours. And at the beginning, it was no better than ours. There were two guys talking into one microphone hmm. in his living room. Yeah. Uh, they eventually bought nicer mics. They each had their own mic. Uh, and that was, that was like the step up they went. They were little handheld mics as opposed to you know something like the blue with the unidirectional. Yeah. For example, you and I are recording at my dining room table yeah. on our own mm-hmm. low-end USB microphones. And I edit this in GarageBand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and your microphone sits on a pot. <laughs> It does. It sits on my stock pot because yeah. the stand for it is very short mm-hmm. and it needs to be right in front of my mouth. Yeah. I should get a real stand sometime. Nah. But this is It's kind of fun. The sixth or seventh time we've recorded or yeah. so and it microphone sits on my stock it pot. It works fine. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know specifically like how like other than the right person found out about it and who had that audience and was able to talk about it and they right. had like a feature in a magazine or something and like that blew up. Right. Do we need a famous friend? I would love a famous friend. Hmm. You know anybody famous? Not really. I know a guy who went viral on the internet for making ASL music videos. That's very, very slightly famous. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My siblings are more slightly famous than i am yeah they should uh, tell people at our podcast my sister listens she told yeah. me that she started oh, that's listening. nice every time uh, every time one publishes she always sends me a text message and is like oh this part was funny yeah my mom uh sent me text messages about the last episode <laughs> oh, no. 
What about it? Uh, just the the fact that Amy and I are not getting married. Oh. She said something like, "I, you know, I'll I'll <laughs> give you a I'll give you a party if you want. I'll throw you a party." Oh yes, we talked about marriage. Yeah. And she says, "I love you regardless." And I said, "I know, I love you too." Aww, thanks, mom. <laughs> uh, can I? <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you about a sweet thing my dad did. Yeah. Uh, I love dads. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think dads are the best. Dads are pretty great. My dad is really great. Good. Uh, and uh, my dad is a pastor. Okay. Um, so most of the time that I'm talking with my dad or my dad and I are communicating, it's usually him starting a conversation with a Bible verse. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, uh, that's pretty pastoral. It's very pastoral. So and my sister, who is who is also uh, becoming a pastor, has never once started a conversation with a Bible verse uh, that had, I know of in her life. Let me tell you, <laughs> she has a lot to learn. <laughs> I do, uh, side, side note, uh, pastors, as you probably know, get a ton of Bibles uh, mm. given to them. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're in seminary, you get Bibles and crosses. Like, that's the thing people buy you. Okay. Uh, and I really want to start like buying my sister novelty Bibles. Like I, I bought her the brick. <laughs> I bought her the brick testament, which is the Bible recreated in Lego. Oh yes, I've heard um, of this. And uh, there was another one. What was the other one I saw? Uh, I had a like, comic book Bible as a kid that, oh, that was yeah, very yeah. influential to me. Um, I saw another one that was like the Bible abridged, and each chapter was three sentences that were designed to sum up everything in each, each book, not chapter, each book, like Genesis, three sentences, Whoa. Exodus, three sentences, um, which I thought was just like super clever. It's like, if I'm going to buy my sister cliche gifts, I'm going to do it in cool ways. I'd be very interested to read that to see how much of the actual message yeah. of the Bible could be communicated in such a short I do have, uh, my sister gave me a copy of the Twible, which is uh, mm-hmm. the Bible in tweets. Oh, 140 uh, character chunks. Yeah. That sounds fun. It's, it's interesting. Have you seen, uh, there's a fun, uh, a fun trend of people turning stories into emoji. You just use yeah. emoji to yeah. represent. Yeah, the first story. big one was emoji dick, uh, which was on Kickstarter many years ago. Um, I thought it would be a fun project. Fun and impossible project to try to just turn the bible into nothing yeah. but emoji just tell the story of the bible in emoji well you can do it the way emoji dick did which is uh raise some money and then use amazon mechanical turk to underpay lots and lots and lots of people to translate <laughs> individual sentences into emoji uh yeah that sounds bad that's what they did they Mo- used uh mechanical turk. they had three different people translate a sentence into emoji and then had someone else pick the best of those three <laughs> and paid them all like five cents per job Wow. So tell the story about your dad. Oh, okay. So my dad, um, so two things to know about my dad. He's a pastor who Mm -hmm. loves to use Bible verses in conversation. Okay. Um, Also, his favorite slash only used emoji is smiley face with sunglasses. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. It's a good choice. Like if you had to pick one. And that's a very my dad emoji. My dad yeah. is uh is a very like shorts and Hawaiian shirt and sunglasses and baseball <laughs> cap kind of guy. Yeah. He lives in Florida. Okay. He lives in central Florida. Cool. Uh previously from Venezuela. Yeah. Just very kind of like laid back and kind of cool mm-hmm. kind of dude. Um but he sent me a text message today out of the blue. Like I don't talk with my dad often. Yeah. 
but every once in a while, it's just like he reads a Bible verse and is like, you know what? I'm going to send this one to, Je- to Jesse. Yeah. So he texts me. He says, hi, Jesse. Check Isaiah 33, 6. And then he quotes the verse. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end, it's just smiley face with sunglasses emoji. <laughs> And that's like just a very, very yeah. typical text message from my dad. It's <laughs> pretty cool. What yeah. would be your uh, if you had to pick one emoji? What would you pick? Oh, like the, if you had like if you had one that you were going to communicate with the one emoji that I could use. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan. In uh, the way a lot of people generically just use the thumbs up emoji. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the OK sign. Okay, the the thumb and forefinger touching with the yeah. three fingers extended. Mm-hmm. Um, Used often in conjunction with the word nice. <laughs> Just kind of like a nice. Nice. With nice. a okay sign. Have you sent me that? I don't know. Let me check. I might have in the past. Uh, there's a really fun meme. Uh, yeah. I see this regularly on Twitter uh, where if the number 69 is ever observed. <laughs> on yeah, a, saves you a click does that a lot on a sign or yeah. anything like that like people will just post a photo where the number 69 is used at mm-hmm. all uh and then e- and then everybody who follows that person responds with the word nice and i and my go-to is always respond with the word nice with the okay the okay emoji so if i search for the nice with the okay emoji i'll be able to find your secret twitter account because <laughs> no one else has ever used that combination of two things not once uh, so far, I'm going through. You've sent me a thumbs up emoji I twice. Should have used the OK sign. Mm, yeah, you, I'm, uh, I'm not seeing a lot of emoji use here. Three. Three I, thumbs ups. Is... I'm a very, very rare emoji user. Yeah. I've been using it more. I've been growing. Well, we use, we use Slack at our office, and there's a lot of emoji in Slack. It's a Slack-specific emoji set, right? Uh, well, you there's a it's a standard emoji set, but you can also add unique ones. Okay. Uh, so we have a bunch of Pokemon emojis as well. Oh. Uh, someone would add a bunch of those. We have all of the planets and Pluto as emojis. <clears throat> Thank you for phrasing it that way. <laughs> That's the correct way. Yes. Pluto is not a planet. The planets and the body that happens to be in our solar system, Pluto. Yeah. One of dozens of dwarf planets in our solar system. Yes. Completely unspecial and, uns- and insignificant in every way yeah. Pluto the planet that is no longer yeah I think my favorite is the grimace emoji that's a really interesting emoji because I think I use that one almost more than anything you're else. talking about the clenched teeth yeah the, ooh. well so there's there's two there's one Face. that's like uh, one with like it's slightly happier. It is that. It's the exact same face, but with happy with, eyes. With happy eyes, yeah. And that is the grinning emoji. Yes. I like the grimace one more. So the grimace and the grin get confused a lot on iOS. Sure. Because. They're very similar. They look almost exactly the same. Yeah. But in most other platforms, they look much more different. Really? Yeah. So you can send someone a grin thinking you're sending them a grimace, and Uh-oh. it comes across as a very mixed message. I like, I like the grimace because it's like... <clears throat> it, I'm smiling, but I'm not sure I should be. Uh, uh, I don't know. It, That's yeah. It, uh, I've come around to emoji a lot lately because um, I'm realizing that that grimace emoji is a perfect example. It can perfectly portray an emotion, mm-hmm. 
in a way where you would have to use a lot of words yeah. very carefully to portray that same exact thought. But I do feel like there's a lot of emojis I don't get enough use out of. I mean, there's a lot of them. Yeah. I'm not like I I'm not the kind of person who's just like throwing out emoji all over the place. Like I'm not most of I'm the I'm certainly not fluent in emoji. Most of the ones I'm using are the facial things to yeah. portray an emotion. I do a lot of thumbs up and a lot of thumbs up and Yeah. Well, you can look at my frequently used emojis. All right, what do we got here? Uh, eggplants up there. Yeah. Okay. Because it, it means penis. Right. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Also, uh, right beneath eggplant is peach. Yeah. Talking about dicks and butts. Yeah. <laughs> butts. You got a birthday cake. What is this uh, This red face with a long nose? I don't know. I just like it. How do you use it? Uh, usually when I'm putting out a list of weird emoji together, like when I'm, I'm ironically using emoji, that's one that I'll put mm. with a few other things. Okay. Uh, the crying faces are good. The the yeah. laughing crying and yeah. the and the anguish crying are both very good faces. I like the uh, the live long and prosper. Yes, that's your top one. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, I enjoy. Uh, this is weird. Uh, you have a shoe and top hat. Yeah, I don't know why I use those. Also, snowboarder. Yeah, I don't. Sometimes I just click random emojis <laughs> when I'm sending things. <laughs> uh, the one that I really enjoy is the. Two hands raised in celebration. Yeah, uh, that's a that's, that's a, a good, really one. good one. Um, let's see. What do I? What, have are, what are your big emojis? Let's take a look. Here we go. All right. So we, we have uh, the celebration cone, the the party. Mm. Woo! Uh, we have dead, the the skull used often in Ooh. conjunction with literally dead. I'm a big fan of the skull. The skull yeah. really captures my feelings on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, the thumbs up and the okay sign. Well, the thumbs up is higher than the okay sign, so I think your your usage might be different than you expect. Yeah, I think my real life usage is different than what I idealize. Yeah, um, we've got the uh, the police light. We've got some we've got some lovey eyes in here, which is interesting. Uh, the, so the lovey eyes is uh, usually used when I'm replying to things with like food in them. Okay, what about the just straight up heart? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I guess I just use that. Okay. I'm. I'm not. Okay. There is no uh, romantic uh, <laughs> anything happening except when it's responding to things yeah. related With to food. food or, or we've something. got. A, we've got a knife. We've got a camera. We've got a graph. I don't know if I've seen anybody ever use the graph emoji. I forget why I use that one. Yeah. That is right underneath the Z's emoji. So you, I can. <laughs> I can easily imagine a situation where those two emojis get sent near each other. Uh, we've got a classic winky face. To be fair, I do like graphs and spreadsheets. Yeah, you do. You would. Uh, we have both the see no, or excuse me, the hear no evil and speak no evil monkeys, but no sight of the see no evil monkey. Mm. So that's interesting. We have an upside down smiley face, and I don't understand the use of that. That's one that I struggle with. So I don't know what the use of that is supposed to be. Okay. Um, but I feel like. Uh, I use that whenever I'm being sarcastic okay, or very obviously ironic. Yeah, we don't have a good emoji for irony or sarcasm. Like, and, that's a thing. And I think that's the one I've, I've started to use. Okay. It's like, like if, some, if 
I, I feel like I've used that uh, when I'm replying to a text about a work thing a lot. Like someone will text me and be like, hey, you have to do this. And I'll reply with, great, I can't wait to do that. I love it. And like with that upside down smiley face, be like, ha, 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 I actually hate this. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. That works. That works. Yeah. Um, we've got an air, uh, a plane taking off and a plane landing. I know you did some travel recently, so that might be related. Those must be remnants from that. Yeah. Shows you how little I use emoji. That was a month and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, the fire, the good old good old fire emoji. Often in conjunction with the skull. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you are dead and on fire. Yeah, <laughs> or dying of fire. Dying of fire. I haven't seen that that combination. That's good. Um, yeah. I I am a big fan of the police light. Yeah. Uh, when I'm informing someone of of something very important, they should know about. It's uh, yeah. hey, like, pay, hey, heads alert, up. pay attention to this. So I was thinking about emoji and. Uh, the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, oh, which was last. I meant, I meant to ask you about this. Uh, you sent me an article. Uh, I did. I that did. I'd added to my Instapaper queue, but didn't Great. read yet. Yeah, I didn't expect it to. <laughs> so, it's basically just a list of like, hey, if you're going to watch 25 episodes of Star Trek, here's the 25 to watch. Oh, I'm going to watch zero episodes of Star Trek. Really? Yeah. Ever? I mean, like, I might watch some eventually, but should, like right watch, now, I'm gonna you watch, watch at least zero. an episode of Star Trek. I'm still trying to figure out a way to get Battlestar Galactica without spending a hundred dollars on iTunes. You've seen Battlestar Galactica. I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> watch Star Trek. I haven't seen it. It's new to you. Okay, we'll see. But uh, the the 50th anniversary of Star Trek was this past week, uh, and was not celebrated. Was celebrated amongst the fans. I should say that. Like, I saw uh-huh. a lot of fans. I saw the official Star Trek Twitter page was posting lots of people posting their live long and prosper selfies. Where they uh-huh. put up the, the live long and prosper sign. Yeah. Uh, which is a cool thing. But there was no big event around it or like thing or promotional experience at all. Right. Which is weird, especially in comparison to something like the Doctor Who 50th anniversary or the James Bond 50th anniversary, both of which have happened in the last few years. Doctor Who's older than Star Trek? Yes. Wow. Okay. By a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, So Doctor Who's 50th anniversary had... uh, huge phantom events and also had a 50th anniversary special with multiple doctors from various seasons right i remember that um, a big storyline that answered questions that have been kind of up in the air for decades if not longer well, not mm-hmm. decades, probably a decade uh and and was very cool bond 50th anniversary had uh not skyfall whatever the newest one was called Mm, the other one i forget i didn't see it i didn't see it either. skyfall was the good one and then the other one wasn't yeah, it wasn't good skyfall i wasn't think great i didn't like skyfall that much i thought it was fine uh specter that's what it was called there because it had it brought back specter right and blofeld and it was sort of this like culmination of 50 years and lots of callbacks and things like that and apparently it wasn't that good yeah apparently it wasn't that good yeah. but uh i have low expectations for james bond movies anyway I think GoldenEye was still the best one I've ever seen. GoldenEye was the best game. Yeah, which is why I like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only excuse. My, my, pretty much my only attachment to the James Bond universe is the thousands of hours I spent playing, playing GoldenEye, GoldenEye multiplayer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
but they had like this movie that was released like to coincide with it and there was a lot of like fanfare and it was a big deal right and like star trek beyond came out this year but there wasn't really any acknowledgement of it being like related to the 50th anniversary of star trek right yeah I don't and the movie didn't really like, like play into that at all like it mm-hmm. could have just been another star trek movie like there was no like and i say this in a way that makes it almost sound good even though i hate this movie <laughs> star trek into darkness was almost a better 50th anniversary movie than star trek beyond was like it was full of callbacks and references and sort of trying to restate what Star Trek is about. Be- and it failed on all of those accounts, <clears throat> but it okay. tried. Because as a reboot, it's going to be more celebratory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but, it, but it didn't. Uh, I thought it was fine. Yeah, but what do you know? You've seen zero episodes of Star Nothing. Trek. Nothing. I don't know anything You've about seen Star Trek. no Star Trek. I've seen Into Darkness. You've seen no Star Trek. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, so I don't know if you know this, Paramount and CBS are two companies who are independent of each other who both own Star Trek. Okay. Which is this weird thing. That seems like a bad arrangement. It is. Paramount owns the movies. CBS owns the TV series. Oh. And so you have this sort of weird pull in two directions that is very difficult. And so they have different licenses and things like that. And I think that's part of why the Star Trek 50th anniversary didn't have anything big about it. Like, Paramount released a video on the 50th anniversary about, like, the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. And all it had was footage from the Star Trek movies. Because they can't have footage from the shows. From Kirk, the the six Kirk movies, the four uh, Next Generation movies, and the new ones. And, like, just ignoring huge swaths of Star Trek. Right. Which is a three and a half TV series if you count the animated series or, or any of the TV series really but like at least oh. the characters from Voyager, Enterprise, uh, DS9, Star Trek the Animated Series. I'm going to let you just keep listing every single Star Trek property. I've done that. That's all of them. Okay, good. <laughs> but, and so like I had to almost make my own fun with Star Trek 50th anniversary. <laughs> yeah, how did you celebrate? I watched a lot of Star Trek. Nice. Uh, I listened to the soundtracks all day. Um, there's a uh, video, there's more than one, but there's a number of videos on YouTube that are like 24 hours of Star Trek engine noise or bridge noises. Because um, there's kind of a background general ambiance hum, and so I played that throughout the day. Just in my headphones. I didn't want to bother my work coworkers with it. Oh my gosh. But listening to Star Trek ambient noises. I listened to the soundtracks from the movies on Pandora. And I came home and I watched with Star Trek. I watched mostly DS9 episodes because I'm, I'm watching those right now with Amy. Like we're going through DS9. Okay. Um, and she's actually, she knows DS9 better than I do. Uh, wow. I didn't, I did not. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of Star Trek and I've not seen a lot of Star Trek. Like there are swaths of Star Trek that I just don't know very well. That you have never seen? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because you don't have to be a completionist or have perfect knowledge of a thing to be a fan of it. Oh, that's, that's how you get the, the. That's how you become a fake geek girl person. <laughs> like how, how you become the kind of person who's like, "Oh, you're a fake geek girl." It's like, no, that's dumb. Kevin, you're a fake geek girl. Yeah, it's like, oh, I haven't seen certain things of stuff. 
Um, but but seriously, though, that does there is something in my nature that that conflicts with. Okay. Like I I, I have I have a I will define this as a problem <laughs> where I feel like completionism is essential to fandom. That's fascinating. Yeah. What are you What are you a fan of? Well, so Lord of the Rings, obviously. You You've completed that. Yeah. Anything else that you consider yourself a fan of? Um, not as like a major no way I identify myself. Okay. Well, I guess you succeeded. Right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but like, if there's, I mean, there are things I like, mm-hmm. but I won't. I don't know if I'd claim to be like such as a part of. Uh, I mean, like for example, like I, I guess you mentioned James Bond. Like, yeah. I like James Bond movies. I think they're fun, but like, yeah. I'm not gonna try to like be a part of the James Bond fandom because I've only ever seen like yeah. ten of the movies. And there's like, are you twenty? So let me ask you them. this: Have you? I want to know the direction that we're going here with like the completionism leads to fandom, or the fandom leads to completionism. Do you feel like the completion mm-hmm. is necessary? Uh, that if you are a fan of something, you personally will will start at rather than you, the general sense. Mm-hmm. If you are a fan of something, why wouldn't you have experienced everything involved in it? Or do you think that you can't call yourself a fan of something until you have experienced everything involved in it? Um, I think if I think there's a level at which you like something, where you will choose to be a completionist okay and unless you have done that you are not qualified for certain aspects of in, of the fandom uh i i disagree we'll start well, off with that okay but... <laughs> here, here, like let me be clear mm-hmm. i also disagree <laughs> like <laughs> like i think that is a bad way to think about it yeah but that is a way that i innately think yeah. about it well so and and the way the way i've kind of made peace with this is hey hey that means there's new star trek for me to watch which is pretty cool that's got to be pretty exciting yeah like you love star trek and there's more star trek for yeah you. there's more star trek for me that's pretty great do you feel like you are less qualified than others to appreciate star trek because you haven't experienced as much as others no okay not at all because i because okay so this is this is a uh i think it's a will whedon quote being a nerd isn't about what you love it's about how you love it yeah and someone someone you might say that well that means you watch everything or you're engaged with it and things like that but it's like no it's it's star trek inspires me star trek is a vision of a future that i wish existed star trek for me is about people solving their problems by being smart and compassionate. Star right. Trek is about the gray areas. Star Trek is about making mistakes and trying to make up for them. And I could watch three episodes of Star Trek, if they're the right episodes, and know that and say, yeah, that's great. I love it. Let's watch some more. Mm-hmm. Or I could watch all of it and be like, eh, it's okay. Right. And there are shows that I've done that with. Um I let, me, let me think of an example because all the shows I've watched everything of. Well, How I Met Your Mother is an example mm-hmm. of a show that I've watched all of, right. start to finish, every episode, many of them more than once. I'm not a fan of that show. I wouldn't be a How I Met Your Mother fandom. You're not involved in. I'm not, yeah. and I'm not. It's not something I think about, or right. 
It's not something that it affects my worldview. But Star Trek does. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and I can even be critical of parts of Star Trek and say, there's bad episodes. Spock's brain is not a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. But I can be happy that it exists, and I can be happy for what it represents, and I get new Star Trek. And that's yeah. and and the idea that you can't call yourself a fan until you finish something is outrageous to me. Mm-hmm. Especially for things that exist where either there is no end in sight or the attempt to watch all of them would be outrageous. Which it kind of is with Star Trek. It is. It's <laughs> like, I mean, there, there are, um, so there are five TV series plus the animated series, which kind of counts. Okay. Because it exists. Although most people... Is it, it canonical? Yes. Okay. Uh, although canon doesn't matter as much in Star Trek, but... Okay. That's just a thing. But, um, so, the first series lasted for three seasons, and these are real TV seasons of, like, 24-plus episodes. <laughs> real TV seasons. Yeah, none of these none of these 13-episode seasons, like, losers have on or cable. The, or these newfangled Netflix seasons of six episodes. Yeah, no, real seasons. DS9 has seasons that are 26 episodes long in some cases. Hour-long episodes? Yes. That's a lot of TV. It is a lot of TV. Oh, my gosh. Um, so Star Trek the original series lasted three seasons technically it lasted two and then got brought back by a fan writing campaign okay uh, which is why I bought some Star Trek stamps recently (laughs) Uh, the original series the next generation DS9 and Voyager all lasted seven seasons of 20 something episodes apiece (sighs) Enterprise lasted four seasons of 20 something episodes apiece which is the fifth season Mm mm-hmm uh, plus, the animated series was like one of one series, and nobody cares about it, but it exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are hundreds, almost probably a thousand episodes of Star Trek that exist. That's a lot of effort and time to put into a thing. Absolutely. Um, and there are episodes of Star Trek that I've watched dozens of times because they're amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll watch the really good stuff more often than I'll watch some of the bad stuff. Right. Uh, in comparison, for example, another show that I, I roughly consider myself a fan of is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. You ever watch Buffy? I actually haven't. You should. It's good. So I've, I've heard. I have the entire series on DVD if you want to borrow it. Well, I can't watch DVDs. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'll loan you a DVD player. I have a spare. Okay. You should watch Buffy. I don't like DVDs. I don't what? like physical media. This is another topic. But uh, so I watched. <laughs> I I did what was the equivalent of marathoning Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh huh. Um, back before that was a word. <laughs> so would you say you binge watched it? Uh, I wouldn't, <laughs> because it wasn't a binge. Uh, but in the mid two thousands, uh, the syndication rights for the first five seasons of Buffy came up. Like they they had hit the limit. They were whatever whatever happened. They syndicated, right. and I think it was TBS. Could have been TNT. One of those T show channels. <laughs> They're the same. Uh, bought the rights to Buffy, uh-huh. and they started airing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in order every day at like four o'clock. Nice. Uh, and I was homeschooled at the time, so it was very easy. <laughs> and I think we had a DVR. We may have had a DVR at that time. No, we didn't because I remember. 
I was at a thing and I couldn't get home in time to watch an episode and it was the one episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that I hadn't seen for many years. Oh my gosh. Um, but I marathoned for, you know, the course of a few months. Yeah. Every day I went home and watched the next episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's amazing. Um, but I also had a, a, like, one of the benefits of being able to, like, have a scheduled TV event is I had to watch it or else I missed it. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, a dedication there that I had to have. Whereas living in the Netflix age, I finished Orange is the New Black season four last week. Yeah. Season four came out months ago. Right. Because I am I struggle with the paradox of choice. <laughs> uh, when I have when I can watch anything, I don't know what to watch and I watch Cutthroat Kitchen instead. Right. And I love Cutthroat Kitchen, but it's not Is that the Alton Brown yeah. one? Yeah. It's a fun show. You watched it? It's good. I've seen it. It's good. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's fun. It's pretty stupid. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> but it's fun. Yeah. And um, so I I have a tendency to, like, if I watch an episode of Star Trek every night for a week, that's a successful week for me. Mm-hmm. But I, until it was on Netflix, never really had the chance to watch all of Star Trek. Right. Um, I forget that that's a relatively new phenomenon where you yeah. can just have the entirety of a TV show available to yeah. you. Yeah. Like in college, I spent $175 buying a used copy of the entire DVD series of The Next Generation. And that, like right now in 2016, when you say that, that sounds absurd. It was a little absurd then, too. A <laughs> uh, fun story there is uh, shot on Craigslist, made a guy an offer. I went to go pick it up, and I op- he, I knock on the door, open it up, and it's his daughter, who's six, maybe, maybe oh. four. <laughs> um, and she opens the door and says, I pee-peed in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I'm just, I'm just here for the Star Trek DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can you get your dad? <laughs> and I gave him the money, and I got the discs, and... And I still own those DVDs. That's really fun. Um, but that was, like, and DVDs were physical media. They're difficult to put in. You have to make an effort or I just turn on cable and see what's on. And, that's, and I was in college. I had cable, so it was very easy to just do the easiest option. Right. Um, I did watch Enterprise, which was the, the last season that existed. I watched the majority of, because it was on TV when I was able to make the decision to watch it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I watched a lot of Enterprise. I've probably seen, until recently, that was the one I'd seen maybe the most of. Okay. Which is considered by many people to be the worst of the series. But is that what got you into it? No. Oh. What got me into it was watching with my kid, dad as a kid. Like, there's a, there's oh, a, there's a okay. huge relationship there. Oh, okay. Because that's what he would watch. Because I was four, maybe, probably. Well, Star Trek Next Generation started the year I was born. So, like, that... Wow. So from 87 is when it started. Yep. So, like, it ended when I was seven. Well, that explains uh, that explains it. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it was difficult to come across there. And, you know, I would go to our local Blockbuster had the pilot episode, Encounter at Farpoint, on tape. And I would go to Star Trek, to Blockbuster, and rent Encounter at Farpoint on tape and watch it. Just and one episode. It was a two-parter. Okay. But, Yeah. That's incredible. And I watched it over and over again because that was what I could get from Star Trek. Right. And so the the 
ability to have seen everything in a series is new, especially for TV series, as opposed to something like, I grew up in a house that had all three Star Wars movies on VHS. Like, we had the box set, and on three tapes was the entirety of all of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Whereas on two tapes was one episode of Star Trek. That's the interesting thing between movies and TV shows is like, I would say Star Wars is still the bigger cultural impact. Yeah, absolutely. Then it's bigger than Star Trek. I would agree that. Although there's no, uh, which is how we got on this, there's no Star Wars emoji, but there's a live long and prosperous Star Trek <laughs> emoji. So I think we won that one. Okay, yeah, good point. Um, but there are way fewer minutes of Star Wars. Yeah. And like that's interesting to me that like movies can be so much more impacting mm-hmm. to culture mm-hmm. than a TV show can. Like it's possible for them to be yeah. in so many fewer minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's because there is a larger number of people that see a movie because of its shorter duration potentially. Than watch a TV show. Yeah. But you compare that to something like the finale of MASH. How, many, the how many people watch that? Hundreds of millions. Really? Like most I'm going to double check it. Most TV shows nowadays are lucky to get like 10 million viewers. Yeah. It was the, the most watched TV episode for a very long time. What was the... I'm going to guess the next was the finale of Friends. I think you're right. I think it was. And I, I don't like Friends. Um, I've also never seen MASH. Well, MASH is good. So I've heard. Yeah, Friends is good. I like Friends. Uh, um, I'm looking. 105.97 million total viewers. For the finale the of finale MASH. MASH. That's unreal. That is, yeah. That's and, more than uh, you, Super Bowl gets. Oh, yeah. That's more than Super Bowl gets today. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and when you had fewer options, it became easier for that to have a larger impact. Mm. There, are, there are way more movies that get released now than there did in the mm-hmm. same time that MASH came out, mm-hmm. but there are probably three times as many, relatively speaking, TV shows out there to watch. Right. You know, you look at a show like Breaking Bad, which had a huge cultural impact, one could argue. And relatively few. Relatively few people. Not 105 million people watched Breaking Bad. <laughs> right. Ever. Not like, 105 million people ever watched Breaking Bad. I think they were in the, like, 5 to 8 million yeah. per episode range. Uh, but Breaking Bad is considered to have, like, this huge cultural impact on the, on the world of TV. And, like, everyone wants to be the next Breaking Bad. Same thing with Game of Thrones. Like, Game of Thrones is behind a paywall to get to that's behind the paywall of cable. I think Game of Thrones is the real uh, is the real impactor because that like that's impacting pop culture viewers. Like that's impacting normal people. Like mm-hmm. normal people love Game of Thrones yeah. and watch it and talk about it. But not 105 million. Not 105 million. Like I I'm going to be very interested to see what the series finale of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. gets. Um, 15 million maybe maybe yeah. maybe being behind the paywall does hurt them yeah and a lot it is the most torrented mm-hmm. show of all time um, but that's still a relatively small number of people but something like Breaking Bad which I consider and I, like I think yeah. is like one of the best shows I've ever seen I, I disagree but we'll get to there um, I like I really like Breaking Bad but I think Breaking Bad was way more influential to people who are 
into television. Like, Breaking Bad has influenced other people who make television mm-hmm. and people who write about and talk about television yeah. as their job. Like Bre- Absolutely. Breaking Bad was very much like a television insiders show, yeah. and Game of Thrones is very much a general public show. Mm-hmm. Um, we should... T- at another time, we should talk about why you don't like Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, um, so, I'm looking at the U.S. I'm, I'm still interested in yeah. this like <clears throat> qualification of being a fan idea. Yeah. Um, so, as someone who is very, very into Star Trek. Yeah. Who has not seen all of Star Trek? All of Star Trek. Yeah. How do you feel when you're talking about Star Trek with someone who has? Like, uh, what's the what's the relationship there? Honestly, I don't encounter that many people who have. I mean, I guess like it's a very hard thing to do. Yeah. There's not that many people, but do you feel like there? Do you feel like someone who is is a Star Trek completionist is has any kind of more qualification in some sense? Like, are they? Here's the, here's like they're, the they're obviously not a better person than you, but like. <laughs> Are, are they, they a better Star Wars? Are they, Star they a better, better Star Trekkie Trek than me? Fan than you? Are they a better Trekkie than me? Yeah, maybe. Do I need to be a better Trekkie fan than somebody else? No, because it's about my enjoyment of the thing. Because you can just love it the way you love yeah. it. Yeah. And a, a comparison that's kind of made that, or that I'm making that I like, is being a comic book fan. So there's a lot of comic book fans. I grew up around comic books. My dad has a very large collection of comic books, and okay. I I read them on and off, and I have Marvel Unlimited so I can read a bunch of back issues and things like that because it's a lot of fun. Okay. But there were 600 600 issues of the original Amazing Spider-Man run. That's a lot. Just just Amazing Spider-Man had 600 original issues. Mm -hmm. Most of the major comic companies, DC, Marvel, Image, have up to 50 series running at any given point in time. Oh my god. Really? Mhm. 50's a, the high end, but at least 30. I'm not a comic book person. I know you're not. Whatsoever, so this is kind of amazing to me. Um but it's okay if you haven't read all 600 issues of The Amazing Spider-Man. You can be a fan of Spider-Man. And mm-hmm. you, you show you're a fan because you buy the new issue when it comes out. You buy the trades and they come out. Okay. Yeah. If you're a fan of Batman, the original action comics where Superman started had 900 plus issues. Detective comics where, where Batman started had 700 plus issues. Those numbers may not be right. Is it even possible to read all of those now? Uh, in a lot of cases, no. Short of piracy. Like there are, there are pirated versions of a lot of those out there. Wow. Um, which is why something like Marvel Unlimited is so great because it has decades of back issues that are available and you can go look at it. and it's not complete and it's, it's actually a problem that it's not complete but right uh but if you wanted to go start at the amazing spider-man number one and read up to today you, you could. could do that wow that's kind of cool it is but most people don't consider themselves a fan of that based on how many issues of spider-man they've read that makes sense to me because, like TV shows, comics were, were not readily available at all point in, points in time. Mm. It was not possible to, short of spending lots and lots of money, to 
own every copy of the original Spider-Man run. Right. Because that's thousands of dollars. I mean, for certain ones, probably even more than that. Well, like for yeah. like like the rare things that it costs a lot. But yeah. like if you were buying them as they came out. Yeah. Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands of dollars. And, and if you started reading them in the 90s, you can't get the old ones. Right. You can start reading with what you got. That's such an interesting problem with this, like, being a fan of a property thing. Like, the, is it accessible or not? Yeah. Like, that's such a complicated but problem you can now. become a fan of Spider-Man now. You can go pick up the latest Spider-Man issue and read it and be like, that's really cool. I want to read more of that. Right. Or you can not, and that's okay, too. But I don't see the value in questioning somebody's fandom because they just started reading Spider-Man. Well, not, like, I. so I completely agree with that. Like questioning someone's fandom and the whole like being exclusive mm-hmm. and like i think that's really bad and caustic okay. to a group of people who want to enjoy it who get together because they like a thing right like <laughs> it's completely like against what it should be about mm-hmm. to enjoy a thing as a community but like i guess i'm coming at this from there's from the perspective uh of course of the tolkien world where like there are six books. <laughs> it's it's a much more limited set, yeah. right? Like I'm a I consider myself to be a huge fan of Tolkien. Mm-hmm. I have read The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, and The Silmarillion numerous times mm-hmm. each. Yeah. Um, like, and I'm the kind of person who thinks The Silmarillion is better than I know, the others. I know. Right? We've, we've like, addressed this. Like, uh, blah, you have a blah, map blah. from The Silmarillion I, on your wall. It's right there. It's from a first edition. Like, <laughs> what a nerd. <laughs> Um, but I haven't read all of Christopher Tolkien's histories of Middle Earth, which chronicles the, the manuscript history of his father's writing. Okay. Which is, that sounds interesting. It's it's really interesting. Especially if you're a fan of Tolkien. Right. Like it's, it's a very important part of being a Tolkien Mm -hmm. fan for a lot of people because it's the kind of fandom where you're interested in the creation of the thing and not just mm-hmm. the thing itself. Yeah. And I've read some of them, mm-hmm. but I haven't read all of them. And so in a way I feel like I'm not as much of a Tolkien fan as I could be. Cause I don't own all of those books. And I haven't read all of those books. And so if I encounter or, not, or I'm talking or getting excited about Tolkien with someone who has, I feel like I should be deferring to them in certain ways where like or like assuming they have a more authoritative opinion or a more or definitely more authoritative knowledge about it and sometimes a more authoritative opinion about it because they've consumed more of it than i have and i'm not saying that the way i feel is correct i'm just (laughs) saying that's the way i tend to feel in a similar way stop it (laughs) okay (laughs) in a similar way like you go the other direction yeah. where I struggle with like if I'm talking to someone and they reveal themselves to be a Tolkien fan mm-hmm. and I get excited about that and like one of the first things I want to know is how much like how much have you read because I want to be able I want to be able to like get excited with someone about the Silmarillion yeah. and not just the Lord of the Rings okay and so I'm like, oh, like, cool, like you've read the you've read Lord of the Rings a couple of times, like you love the movies, like me too, like let's get excited about this, let's talk yeah. about this. Like, have you read the Silmarillion? Like, maybe we can talk about that. And then they go, oh no, I haven't read that one yet. Or like, I, 
the very common answer is I started reading it and I didn't like it, which I accept is a very, <laughs> very, very valid response to the Silmarillion. <laughs> um, but I can't help but feel some smugness. No, 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 not smugness, not I'm a better fan than you, but like disappointment in that I'm not able to like appreciate enjoying something to a level that I do with other people who aren't at that same level as me. Is there is there validity to this like level I don't think so. of appreciation or or am I just completely wrong? Like I feel like but I so I really do feel like that's the same, and I, I know you're not trying to do this, but I feel like it's the same justification of fake geek girls and of, of usage of that term and of that categorization of you don't like this thing the right way. But you don't like this thing enough. And being disappointed that you can't talk about it, that's, that's valid, and I understand yeah. that. But that doesn't negate their enjoyment. That doesn't negate their passion of yeah, I, a thing. I agree with that, but it's... And this is a bad part of me. Like this is let's this is like Jesse's talking about his failings as a human being. Okay. Like I feel bad when I'm not able to enjoy talking about the Silmarillion with someone who is a professed Tolkien fan. Okay. And it's and I don't I don't think less of that person. Yeah. Or I don't think they are like a bad Tolkien fan. I guess I just wish more people. I guess I wish more people were obsessed with it the way. I am. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I would. I would say maybe you know find ways to share that excitement. Right. You know, say, oh, there's this really cool thing in the Cimmerillion that if you like, if you like this about again, not a Tolkien fan, couldn't right. finish the books. Uh, but you know, oh, if you really like this thing in the Two Towers, that's referenced in the Cimmerillion in this really cool way that adds new depth to. X, Y, or Z. Something that you are passionate about about the Cimmerillion. The reason that you've read it 20 times. Six. <laughs> you've counted? Yeah. <laughs> I've read The Lord of the Rings. I've read The Hobbit five times, The Lord of the Rings twice, and The Cimmerillion six You've only read The Lord of the Rings twice? Yeah. And you call yourself a fan? To be fair, The Lord of the Rings is the worst of the three, and it is the <laughs> longest. You've read it twice. And I've read it twice. I'm. I actually just started. It I mean, again. you can't really understand it if you've only read it twice. There's a lot of nuance that you kind of miss in the first couple times through. It's a fair criticism. How does this make you feel, Jesse? <laughs> does it make you feel good? Because I don't want to make you feel bad, but that's what it feels like. And so, but you can you can share that excitement and that passion, right? Because that's what that's what you want to do is you want to share that excitement. That's what it sounds like you're saying. Because being you wanna... a fan is about enjoying something. Yeah. Yeah. It's about liking a thing together. Yeah. And that's cool. And you say, oh, that's, that's you know, you don't have to force somebody to like a thing. You can't have to force them to read a thing or experience it or, to you know, they've missed out on something. And if it just becomes a contest of who knows more, well, I've got Wikipedia. <laughs> I can know everything if that's what we really want to boil it down to. Right. But that's not what it's about. Right. It's about why we like a thing. How many times have you seen the, the trilogy? The movies, yeah, I that I haven't counted. No. I believe it to be more than fifty. <laughs> <laughs> With like thirty of those being 
before like 2005. <laughs> like there were, there was a point where I was watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy on like a bi-weekly basis. Wow. When I was yeah, like in high school. That's cool. I've seen I've seen First Contact maybe half a dozen times. That's a lot. Yeah. I've seen Encounter at Farpoint a lot. <laughs> and what's funny, it's not a very good episode of Star Trek. But it's the first one? What's the first of The Next Generation? Of The Next Generation, yeah. So The Next Generation was was my series. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one I was exposed to. That's again, what was on when I was a, an infant. Uh, yeah, that's what my right. dad watched. Um, and I didn't really ever watch DS9 or Voyager when they were on. Uh-huh. Um, I was, I was, my dad wasn't watching them and I wasn't, you know, of an age to watch them by myself. Um, and it wasn't like I would, I would tune into Voyager occasionally, but never really fully understood what was going on. But it wasn't really until Enterprise was going on that I was like a teenager and could like choose to watch it and engage with it mm-hmm. on sort of a deeper level. Which is weird because now that I think about it, we've been talking about sort of the scarcity of, of access to certain things, particularly TV shows at this age. Yeah. When I was in elementary school, um, a friend of mine, his name was Alex, uh, was an original series fan. He was a Kirk First guy. I don't think he would use that phrase, Kirk First, but uh, he he much preferred Captain Kirk over Picard, which is a super weird thing for two like ten year olds to be arguing about. <laughs> is who's the better captain, the original series or the next generation? That sounds like a very Star Trek fan kind of argument. It is. Right? Yeah. It is. Is that a fundamental argument? Yeah. Well, it used to be. Okay. Um, now it's sort of like everybody's got their favorite, but it's not like a flame war worthy sort of thing. Okay. Because um, you can make arguments for all of them. Like, my favorite Star Trek captain is usually the one I watched most recently. <laughs> that's that's kind of how that works. <laughs> yeah. That's how the human brain works. So yeah. Lot. It's like, oh man, I just watched this great episode of Cisco, so I'm going to watch more of that. Cool. Or man, Janeway's the best. <laughs> Or, or Archer. And I like Archer because he's played by Scott Bakula, not because he's a good character. Because <laughs> I like Quantum Leap. Every uh, every time I rewatch one of my like top five favorite sitcoms, yeah, I decide that it's the best sitcom of all yeah. time. That's valid. And then I watch the next one, and I'm like, oh wait, no, 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 this one is the. What best are your sitcom. top five favorite sitcoms? Um. In no particular order, I'll throw these out there. Like the maybe the top five I've ever seen: Thirty Rock, Arrested Development, uh, Lately Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt, uh, good. The Office. Most of your modern NBC uh, okay. sitcoms. It's not like real shows. Excuse me. <laughs> I did watch Seinfeld for the first time. Uh, Ever? About a year ago. Yeah. I had never seen a complete episode of Seinfeld. Wow. Until Seinfeld came out on Hulu. And then I watched all of Seinfeld. And I was you watched like, all of Seinfeld? Yeah. Like front to back, top to bottom? Episode one to episode I've last. not seen all of Seinfeld. It's all on Hulu. You well, I know, but I haven't seen it all. There's a lot of other stuff I watch. It's a really good show. I know it is. <laughs> I like Seinfeld. You should watch all of it. <laughs> when I finished, I thought this is the best sitcom of all time. <laughs> and then I watched 30 Rock again, and I was like, oh, wait, no, sorry. 30 Rock is the best sitcom of all time. That's how the human brain works, is the, is the thing you just watched. You should watch MASH. I bet I would like MASH. MASH is good. Yeah. MASH is on for like 11 years. 
That's a long time. Yeah. It was on longer than the Korean War existed. Wow. <laughs> that's interesting. That's a, that's a fun mash fact for you. Yeah. Uh, what's the longest running sitcom of all time? Does The Ooh. Simpsons count? If it doesn't, if it does, then it's The Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, which arguably is a sitcom. Otherwise, it's, I think it's It's Always Sunny. No. Uh, I think it is. Because no. It's Always Sunny recently, because Seinfeld was on for What's a long time. What's the longest time. running sitcom in the U.S.? I think it's It's Always Sunny. Okay, give me a moment. Okay, I found this on the web. You have the male voice on for Siri, which is unusual. Is it because you don't feel comfortable having a female assistant? A little bit, yeah. That's yeah, that's fair. Um, um, do you have a guess? What's your guess for the longest running sitcom? Sitcom, oof. not The Simpsons. Not The Simpsons. We're not counting The Simpsons. But it is that. I don't. I don't know. I can't. I can't say in terms of years. But I'm going to find out. Seinfeld was. Seinfeld was long, but it wasn't. Seven it was not seven seasons. Yeah, and the first season was four episodes. Yeah, but it still counts. <laughs> the Office was nine. I think it's always sunny. Sesame is it? Street. It's Sesame Street. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I would love a Sesame Street sitcom. It was called The Muppets. It was terrible. <laughs> I wanted The Muppets to be so good. And it so wasn't. How long was The Office, the U.S.? Was that nine? Nine seasons? Maybe, maybe 11. I don't, a, think it, I don't think it broke 10. No, it was nine. That was a pretty long show. Yeah. All right, let's jump into 29 to 25 years. I'm trying to find something that's a sitcom. Oh, uh, what's the longest running show of all time? Is that what list you're on? Yeah. What's uh, the answer to that? Meet the Press has been on for 69 years. Wow. On NBC. That's pretty good. It started uh, November 6, 1947. Um, we're almost at three hours. Do you want to tell me why you don't like Breaking Bad? It's not that I, it's not that I don't like Breaking Bad, but I... Hold on. Before you answer yeah. the question, can I tell you that the thing that just popped into my head was to ask you, but have you seen all of Breaking Bad? Yes, I've seen all of Breaking Bad. Okay, but th how indicative is that of the, our previous <laughs> conversation where, like, that... I, like, I need that's to... The, that's a caveat. You gotta know. I need to qualify your level of understanding by asking how much you've uh, seen. I mean, The Simpsons is the first one that's popped up that's a sitcom here. Okay. Uh, the Jetsons was on for 25 years. Wow. Um, which That's... is more than Larry King Live. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Larry King. <laughs> uh, Charlie Rose, Hee Haw, At the Movies. What else has been The on? Real World has been on for 24 years. SNL's been on for a long time. Yeah, I skipped SNL. I'm just trying to think uh, of long-running TV shows. Ed Sullivan, America's Most Wanted. Yeah, I bet a lot of the like variety shows. Yeah, variety shows are real long. News shows. Does something like The Late Show count, where it's been hosted by yeah. numerous people? Yeah, I, I would count it. counts as one yeah. run. The Late Late Show is on here. It's been 21 years that's been on. That's amazing. Uh, Gunsmoke, 20 years. Law & Order, 20 years. I feel like Law & Order has been on for longer than 20 years. <laughs> well, the original Law & Order. Yeah. Yeah, 20 years. It's, it's ended. It ended. It did? Yeah, in like 2010. Oh, I didn't know that. SVU is the only one still running. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time since I watched Law & Order. Law & Order is a lot of fun. Talk about a franchise. Like, that yeah. is... 
I'm going to be real sad when SVU ends. I don't even watch SVU. I'm just going to be real sad when it ends. <laughs> it's definitely end of an era. Yeah. Uh, South Park, 19 years. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I wish South Park was good. <laughs> Family Guy, 17. That's worse than SpongeBob South Park. SpongeBob SquarePants. How many years? 17. Is it still running? Yes. I kind of love SpongeBob. I do not. <laughs> I watched but a that's lot. Okay. I watched a lot of SpongeBob at a certain uh, point in my life. Cheaters, which I thought was Cheers when I stopped on it, so that's why I kept going. Uh, Survivor. I think SpongeBob is a very good show. I'm disappointed that you don't appreciate it. Early SpongeBob is okay. I think after year, like the first couple of years were very crude, and then it got into like a golden age for five years or so, and then I stopped watching. So who knows? Uh, I still think about the episode of Spongebob where uh, Spongebob and Patrick are selling chocolate. I don't know this reference. Door to door. I believe you. And uh, there's every once in a while during the episode, someone like bursts out from behind the thing and just screams like chocolate and is like trying to get them. And it's, you know, that's like the thing they're running away from all episode. And then at the very end of the episode, they can't get away from him. And he jumps out from behind a rock and screams chocolate and then is like, hi, I'd like to buy all your chocolate. And it's uh, quite the twist. Two and a half men. Longest running sitcom? Seems seems to be. This is why... This is why I think the world is evil. (laughs) 